in which we resume podcasting for the fifth time this year. No, you pick up. <laughs> no, you pick up. No, you pick up. <laughs> I don't want to start this shit anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, hi, and welcome to another episode. Yes, an actual other episode of Radio Free Golgotha with your hosts, the good doctor and the goat. Hello. The artists formerly known as Dr. Alexander Cummins. I almost put a G in there. People do. Yeah. People do. No, Cummins, sorry. And yours truly, Jesse Hathaway Diaz. So, this is an early December recording in hopes of getting this out within the week for the good St. Lucy, who is... Um, and the plethora of other Sesame Street subjects that we have in store for you surrounding her. <laughs> um, you know, Radio Free Golgotha has been technically on the air for a year. <laughs> we found that uh, it takes a lot of time to dedicate to a podcast and editing and things like that when we had a much busier year than either of us intended. Not an excuse, but the reason why there's five slash six, if you count the two-part Candlemas episode episodes this year, we hope to double that next year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we've we've missed recording, and certainly it feels good to close out on some topics that we uh, are excited to talk about. Yeah, it's been lovely to have the support of people who've been um, excited about the episodes we've done, uh, asking about uh, when when more are coming uh, and that kind of thing. It's it's uh, it's really nice to to feel like we're not just having a geek out conversation amongst ourselves, but are also you know. Um, sparking conversations and, 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 and threads and comments and things. So what you're saying is you want to see other people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Understood. Why should tonight be different than any other night, Al? Okay. No. <laughs> okay. So, uh, our, you might hear some... I apologize for the mouse clickings and things where... Um, I might edit those out. I might not. You might get some little rat sneezes as well. You might, yeah. We're recording in, in, in my room where there's um, at least one rat curiously staring at us, wondering what it is that we're doing. Um, Rest assured, they will be adorable if you do hear them. Yes. Uh, so today's episode uh, is brought to you by St. Lucie, Mistletoe, Letizia or Obara, the Odu that corresponds, Oil Lamps. You're going to have to say that. Clistert or Clistaret, depending on the manuscript. Okay, what or, he said. Or, or Ciramel. Okay. Um, and the corresponding issue to, to that is Tronqueda. Amethyst. We're going to go with Casanova? Why not? Sure, yeah. yeah sure, if it. we get to him. Uh-huh. Um, and some judgment, because there's always plenty of judgment. <laughs> always plenty of room. Always, you know, all my Venn diagrams overlap in judgment. <laughs> so uh, that is our, our structure for today. And uh, welcome. So, okay. Um, obviously, St. Lucie is, a, is a, a saint that I assume is as dear to your heart. At oh, least yeah. In part as, as she is to mine. Um, but I, I am I wrong? Saints are like the easiest way to start going in. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, okay. that, that's our calendrical kind okay. of yeah. metric. So, sure. I mean, 13, mm-hmm. the 13th of December. So 13 is already a good number. Mm-hmm. So it's like the St. Anthony correspondence, right? Mm-hmm. Um but uh, St. Lucy is the saint that marked the winter solstice once upon a time right. on the old calendar. So she has always been associated with the return of the light. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not always. That was a quick. Well, um, I mean, depending on how you read the the the, the name, that's L- true. Lucy, yes, right. exactly. And uh, her her use as a patroness of the eyes, of eyesight, of against the evil eye, of of health, of warning, of steadfastness, of stability. Um, that that envy and intrigue and fame and infamy do not divert you from your center. It seems to be a big thing for her, and that's tied up in her legend as well, um, as is the the eyesight and the, the evil eye. Um, also, her use heavily in traditional witchcraft as far as Western Europe goes, uh, which I'm more familiar with. I'm sure she's used worldwide in many ways, but as... Uh, lovingly referred to her as the Lucifera, the, the female light bringer. And there's we'll get more into those flavors as, as we go on. But there is something so interesting about a young female saint. She's not quite a child spirit, but she acts similar sometimes in some mythologies and some permutations and folk uh, Catholic and, and, and syncretic versions of her. Well, um, she's young and a virgin, crucially, yes. and that virginity also seems having just been reading the, her, her uh, entry in the, the Golden Legend on the, on the train up here, that virginity is, is very much understood in, you do homework. in that medieval period. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. On occasion, when I can't pay someone on the internet to do it for me. Uh, the notion of her bringing the light and that kind of, uh, that looks of the, the way of the light, and, and there's a lot emphasised in terms of the, the straightness of light and the way it doesn't bend, um, despite... Uh, mirrors, <laughs> right. mirrors. <laughs> right, right, right. Wow. But but not according to not according to the medieval uh, 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 writers and, and and thinkers on that, um, and 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 people, I guess. Uh, but uh, a sense of yeah, her her her, her chasteness and that um, that chastity has something to do with the, the the light and that all things are kind of good in the light. And so it's 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 very much that model uh, of, of 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 gosh, we hope that we don't all die in darkness, mm-hmm. um, which. You know, seems apt to be something that you're celebrating or fervently praying to during winter and, and, the, yeah. and the solstice. I, I like the result of the calendar shift, the calendrical shift from Julian to Gregorian, of her being the herald of light, even though it's going to get worse. Right. Even though we still got a good up to nine days um, at most, probably maybe maybe ten, but within a week. It's it's still going to be a week of, of of encroaching darkness, and the dragon will still look like it's going to win. Mm. And this mythology of Lucy riding in on the dragon, and or these other things, are, are preceding the dragon because she does come on the back of the dragon. The dragon is winning. the 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 serpents of various European lore are are stealing the sun, and Lucy herself predicts that we are going to come out the other side. Right. And so there's a hint there almost for me of like the St. Margaret ideas of, of being swallowed by the, the dragon or the demon and then like stuck in the mouth and stabbing it and like being victorious. In the depths of hell, yeah. the light of heaven. And also that uh, Lucy, at least in a lot of folk Catholic traditions in, in, in Western Europe, is also some connection to Candlemas. Hmm. And the return of the light that's confirmed. So Lucy's promise is echoed in Candlemas. And there's this kind of hint of the Advent wreath being on her head and everything like yeah. that. But it's there's this common practice in, um, especially in Iberian witchcraft, of 
taking a piece of the sun with you as you go into night. So at twilight, you salute the sun so that in darkness, you still have a memory of the light, mm-hmm. which is interesting as, as we talk about, or the way I talk about Kimbanda in this way of like the memory of angelic light or the memory of something above ground um, going into hell, that the memory of the angelic choir is what allows the creative impulse that Lucifer has to keep dispersing. And here we have a Lucifera that is distributing light in a different form. She comes in on the vehicle of darkness itself and during the waning of the year, and yet somehow in the belly of the serpent, light will be back and she will confirm it and seal it come Candlemas. Mm, that steadfastness is really awesome, I think, as well. That the idea of as the sun stands still, so she does. Mm-hmm. And certainly within the her, you know, so some of her myths, yeah. she has this notion of going before being like shopped as a Christian to the guy she's betrothed to, and him saying, you know, means she's a virgin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and and you know, I'm being... really loud in these recordings. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm noticing the digital patterns and be like, damn. Sorry. Go on. Being dragged, suppose, you know, she's ordered to be dragged to a, a, a brothel to be defiled uh, so that she can't speak the word of God anymore mm-hmm. uh, and, and have her power taken away. And, and interestingly, she says, you know, if, I, if, if that occurs against my will, it only doubles my chastity, mm-hmm. which is uh, interesting in of itself. But that um, she, she cannot be moved. Thousands of soldiers attempt to move her and she cannot be moved. And so that idea of being the, the still point mm-hmm. in, in, in the belly of hell is also interesting and making things cohere around you rather than you being buffeted by these, you know, these flames and darkness. And I, I, for everything we do about her eyesight Mm. and, and the, the plucking of the eyes, whether by her own hand or her eyes being plucked out, Mm. um, echoes her patron saint, which is Agatha. Right, right. And the removal of the breast. Yeah, she she goes before that. One of the superhero origin stories is that they they go and pray to Agatha, her and her mother, because her mother is very sick, and she direct and, and and Lucy directs her mother to pray to Agatha, and then falls asleep and has a dream that Agatha comes and says, "Why are you asking me to do this when you you can just do this?" Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the idea of, of of making a saint on the point of another saint, on their patron. Yeah, and what's interesting is if we're talking about the return of Canemus, Agatha is early February, so there's this interesting mm. thing of of the student of a saint who herself is a saint being the bookends around this feast. Although I guess the, the more proper bookend around Christmas would probably be Epiphany. Because right. for me, the, the it starts with Lucy. Mm-hmm. It's the final week of what we're doing. And then Christmas itself, which is sealed in the 12 days after. She's that kind of Cassandra to it. Yeah. Like, it's going to get better. And you're like, no, but it's not getting <laughs> it's better. Not gonna get better. It's, it's, it's dark. You're lying to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have a sword in your throat. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So there's... The way, right? So she speaks the way. Even the sword. Some of the old woodcuts, when you look for her, have nothing to do with the eyes. And indeed, you, you noted quite aptly, the eyes are not mentioned in the Golden Legend. No, no. So the most popular dispersal of St. Lord does not mention eyes at all. But that is what most of us now know her as, as holding the plate with the eyes, which no. comes from probably 18th and 19th century statues, mm. popularizing that in some way. So I'm not sure which eye cult she picked up on in Italy no, <laughs> or no. Greece or somewhere. Or, or, or Sweden, right? The, or Sweden, yeah. The, the, the Scandinavian countries have uh, make uh, Lucy's eyes uh, little uh, saffron um, delicious uh, pastries. Which is funny because you do Agatha's breasts in, mm-hmm. in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a parallel. It's interesting to connect. The two saints almost cannot be separated. What's that thing about the, the nipples or the eyes of the chest? The nipples or the eyes, the eyes or the nipples of the face. That's it. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, damn it! Whatever movie that is. Oh, it's so sad that I don't remember that. Saint Lucy. All right. Anyway, 
So, I'm curious too about like because the eye and the sun and the sun, the connection between the eye and that which sees and the light bringer. The, mm-hmm. That it is a natural progression that if this thing is evolving around light in this way or revolving around light or devolving around light. Um, one of my favorite things in the revelation of of uh, cosmology of the Middle Ages is that the world is not geocentric, it is Diablo-centric. Right. But the devil is at the center of the universe, and the entire world revolves around him, which only gives credence to everything he says. Um, God's out there. God's way, way out there, and the earth, there's the, the, the spheres of the onion layers of the element, and the onion keeps going in with earth, and then to the depths of the earth, and the devil in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it only helps, but, sorry, my devolving spurred that. Uh, Lucy herself connected to the preservation of the physical eyes and the eyes being always connected to the sun, the thing that lets in light, but the spherical nature that we know if they pluck them out, mm. they're very much these things. Or or the eyes being the mirror to the soul, that the eyes are, yes, round, but are also in the shape of a vaginus, that they are the Vesica Pisces mm. um, by their shape, the almond shape that is the intersection of worlds. So there's an internal, external world, there's the interior life, the external life, the light being let into the body in that way is always an, is, and the idea of a holy figure blinding oneself as well, and that that notion of all that Theresean second sight business as well. Yes, that her second sight comes, and that even that she trusts enough that if she blinds herself, that she's seen the light of God, and that itself has like the Pauline reference of of mm-hmm. being blinded by Christ's light. Um, you know, we I firmly acknowledge. N- I have a very strange take on a lot of this because I'm operating in, in folk Catholicism, which is operating alongside traditional witchcraft and syncretic ideas of things in the new world. And, and Lucy is at once all of her masks and none, and she is something other and the container and the contained. I also acknowledge that our audience varies in that way too, that there are people who are more towards the Catholic bend and people who are more towards the witchcraft bend or more towards the sorcery bend mm. or the, or the, or the syncretic bend. Mm. And that's always interesting too. Um, yeah. I mean, and in modern practice i mean the one of the things that marks lucy is important in uh my household practice our household practice of of, of my wife and i and our dear You're beloved married? cat oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, heck yeah uh, uh, uh several times um to mm-hmm. the same lady you gotta lock that down um it's like we- your third wife and your first wife <laughs> You remind me of my second wife. <laughs> I am your second wife. <laughs> but I am your daughter. Uh, our neighborhood uh, in, in Brooklyn, Carroll Gardens, has a Lucy statue that is an ex-voto, and there is a, a whole story attached to it, which I love and can recount and, 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 and will forcibly recount uh, to anyone that comes to visit, uh, which is that... Uh, which is uh, different from recount. Yes. Oh, very much so. Uh, a, a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Tuddy Balsamo, uh, so the, the urban legend goes, is having uh, eyesight trouble and is about to go in for a slightly experimental surgery. I think this is around the 70s and has a dream in which St. Lucy appears and says, I got you on this. It's fine. Uh, I will, I will, I will, uh, you know, take you through this uh, dark time and, uh, and, and, and bring you into the light and all will be well. And uh, the surgery goes great. He can see again. So he builds this uh, statue for her, uh, which is on one of the corners uh, of, uh, in, in Carroll Gardens. And when uh, Tori Balsamo passes, his kids start using that space as a, Time, as a as a place to honor him and his memory. So here's a, a a guy who lived in the neighborhood, had a fairly typical like medieval saint experience, uh, and 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 treated it in that 
uh, way of, 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 of offering an ex-voto, of doing something in return, in thanks, um, and has then become in some way mixed in to this very localised cultus and and you know she receives flowers on her feast day and on 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 his birthday and i think mm-hmm. on his death day mm-hmm. and a couple of other dates uh, uh, of significance and it's 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 gated off but it's available to, to to enter and people leave things there and i see people praying there sometimes and i love this idea of, of, of this being something that's still going on and and that people are still doing you know a saint will you know can still turn up to someone who is not you know uh, carting around eight billion saint statues, or you know, uh, uh, doing all of the other things that, 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 that we end up doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and still, um, you know, solving a very concrete problem and being recognised for it, and having a permanent point or, 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 or station in the neighbourhood now, and and her devotees kind of melding uh, with and family traditions melding with her as she's brought in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so she's above our door and, and, and we, we, you know, offer cultus and flowers and prayer and stuff at, at her time. And that's really important, I think, to look for the, the local um, saints, not just because someone, you know, wanted to honour, although that's that's fine too, but there was a specific, you know, case value behind that, which um, which is very appealing. And also offers a physical space to go and do stuff as well, which is super important. Carroll Gardens has a lot of that. I mean, it's it's what's unique in going to Carroll Gardens. There are a lot of saint shrines up here in in the Bronx and in Inwood um, yard shrines, of course. Carroll Gardens definitely seems to have, because of the homogeneity of the Italian culture there, garden shrines are a big thing. So, like many corners are still. They obviously belong to someone, but they become saint gardens right. in devotion. Mm-hmm. So there's these crossroad saints constantly, in addition to yard saints, which is lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the reasons why it's called Carroll Gardens is because the the gardens are out on the the front. There's a little bit of a of a driveway with some grass and stuff, and so you get a lot of those things that uh, even Italian American scholars refer to as Mary on a half shell, uh, and those beautiful little yard shrines, Marys, Anthony's. Um, and and various others, uh, yeah, it's marvelous, marvelous. <laughs> the sword in the throat thing too is interesting because I mean we're talking about saints usually ruling the the manner or the the quality of their death or or the quality the the the, the narrative of their death, yeah, being patrons in this way, and to have the throat, the source of the voice, be silenced. Um, which of course beheading is a common thing, but like to see that she could still speak, yeah, with the, with the sword, yeah, yeah. Um, plunged in her, or that um, boiling she, oil, as boiling well. oil, mm. um, submerged or poured, poured in the golden legend. That's what I thought. Okay, um, I didn't think she was a cauldron saint. No, um, but this is reflected in the tradition that is. I know that it is done on in. I think central Italy and definitely in Sicily and Spain of pouring hot oil on the statue ah. during her feast, which becomes the oil of St. Lucy, which yes, has traditional prayers and devotions and it almost always involves rue and fennel and a whole slew of other herbs, but it's one of the earliest oils that I made for sale, even within the store. But, um, mainly cause I don't doubt that oil. It's such yeah. a Lucy thing, but to pour, to have the boiling oil 
over that means that like oftentimes you have to repair the statue mm-hmm. within a month or two and repaint it um, and do whole new devotions. But like she gets you through the day and this idea of pouring hot oil, mm-hmm. not necessarily boiling it because that would be really splattery, um, but hot oil. I love those stuff, those devotional acts that force you to, that actually kind of ruin, or or not ruin maybe, but like, but get rid of something like the paint on on a thing mm-hmm. that then has to be redone. That you that, that it's not enough to just use the thing. In fact, use use of the thing, um, uh, uh, characters or, 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 or seals painted on a tool that you're handling a lot, mm-hmm. uh, fading uh, with time, and then having to be reapplied. Yeah, uh, that act of uh, you can tell when it needs like reconsecrating because the seal has, has become too scuffed. Yes, and that um, it comes with a, a common thing with many tools, right? Of of you don't want to use it because it's frail, but at the same time, like, well, then fix it and make it stronger. It, there's there's a value in strengthening a tool to come back. Yeah. That restoring a house doesn't mean that the house is of less value. Mm. Um, and it, it's interesting. There's a lot of of tool talk that could come out of that as well but no it's it's a lovely idea that uh repairing a statue yes or or the fact that marble was painted with garish colors and mm-hmm. you know we have this very specific idea in the last 300 years of, of white marble being so that's what it was and then you realize like i'm sorry athena was draped in pink in the parthenon the parthenon <laughs> was pink like what you painted ivory right you you defiled ivory with pink <laughs> Um, you know, that's a, but that's a, a whole other thing. Just mm. the, the garish colors and the brightness of it. And, you know, I remember in the early days of, of my budding European magical career, um, <laughs> it was 12 or 13 and looking at Golden Dawn stuff, seeing pictures of the Cicero's tools that were so bright and garish and being like, what is that? Right. That's way more than I'm ready for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. thinking how basic it was, well, to reinsert a modern word on there, mm-hmm. but thinking like, what, I don't know if that's really stirring something and realizing like, this is actually probably one of the things that Golden Dawn hit on that is actually closer to how things were done. Huh. That bright colors, bright ochres, yeah, bright yeah. blues, bright whites, mm. those types of things, that, that the history of pigment and the minerals and the earth and the richness that, richness that comes from having choice in color. Mm is quite profound. Sure. And I mean, obviously, operatively useful and understood in terms of flashing colors, often deliberate clashing the color wheel uh, to, to produce these effects. And also, it's often framed in terms of uh, the emergence of artificial pigments as well uh, in the, the end of the 19th century, that suddenly these tones were possible that weren't before. But that's interesting in of itself, the use of new things in a traditional manner. Yeah, for sure. I, I think about this a lot with... Um uh, the, the brightness of a color that, that like specifically in the ATRs in, in, in Ocha and Orisha tradition especially that I'm most intimately familiar with of color itself having an ashe mm. and that, that the bright blue of laundry bluing is substituting for the bluing of indigo that we like indigo dyes cloth but when you're painting something to use that laundry bluing that's even brighter. Like, use that. There is virtue in the color alone, not just the physical substance of right. it. And this is something that is a shift, I think, in the way that, that Europeans, 
the European mindset tends to think about things because we have a materialism streak post-industrial revolution, post-scientific revolution. We tend to think, no matter, I see this, I see the same thing in everything from neo-hoodoo to witchcraft to, to approach towards ATRs, that somehow if we break it down on a molecular level, there's some chemical in that thing that we just don't know about that's doing the magic, which as is, opposed which, to a magical worldview. Right, 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 right. Which is that classic, um, you know, oh, look at these psychological studies that have proven what uh, magicians have been saying for ages, which allows us to be smug when we're saying we've been saying this for ages, but also it's it's still basically attempting to define ourselves and our practice based off uh, a, a worldview that's incredibly aggressive, if not dismissive, of, of the whole concept itself. Yeah, it, it, that... You don't have to go, oh, well, I really would like to use the indigo. And it's like, well, that's interesting because the traditional people that are carrying the extant practice, that, that going back and looking at what the modern Yoruba are doing, they are using laundry bluing because it is bright blue, because the point is to get blue so that when you see it, you get a reaction of that is blue, mm-hmm. not, oh, I wonder if that's made with real indigo. <laughs> uh, the point is that it's blue. Right. I come across this with oil making because... People don't doubt the ingredients that are dirt or or plant material or or animal matter. What comes into doubt or questions sometimes is when an ingredient is literally 77 steps forward and three steps back, or a lie, or a kiss, or like, how does, why is that an ingredient? I'm like, I don't worry about why. Does it work? And obviously it needs to be one of the ingredients for it to work. So let's move on past the limited materialist thinking that traps us into thinking that it's just science that's undiscovered. Right. Science is, can be a part of a magical worldview. Absolutely. But the other side of it, not quite as much. So we need to stop trying to force fit. Right, and, and also... You can still fit that circle peg into the square hole, <laughs> but you can't fit the square peg into the round hole. Just saying. Unless it's a lot smaller. Unless, unless, it's a, unless, unless you chew it and poop it through. <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, kind of informed by this approach of like needing to be more authentic. Uh, mm-hmm. more Irish than the Irish right 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 right, right. The, 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 which is you know arguably impelled by the the sense of having lost something and so needing to do it mm-hmm. right uh, and do it from a, from a distance um, and do it removed from the culture uh, not in a deliberate effort to be better than the, the than the culture that originated it but but if only in terms of trying to feel like you know you, you're pouring something into this gulf between you um, and that's certainly present in, say, you know, instances I, I, I've heard you and, and another Santeros talk about with the Yoruba use of plastics mm-hmm. uh, for, <laughs> for, for things, because it's a great tool, and they have a traditional approach to the materials that and the tools that are needed, but not a dogmatic approach to every ingredient or every materia has to be you know you should have some gourds yeah <laughs> but but not everything has to be and the, the, the taking out of even putting things in traditional gourds which deteriorate and break with using porcelain and china which is a sign of wealth and establishing trade relationships with other cultures right so it, it is interesting that with, it's a good comparison the you know that we don't in the diaspora, we're going to prize our use of the gourds, and we're going to have a stack of, of hikaras, of, of gourds, sitting there. And that's where we're going to pour our water and our wine and our and all of our libations out of. And I go to a traditionalist Yoruba ceremony, and they're using what I would... My Chinese food, boneless ribs, comes in, <laughs> that, that deli plastic container. And I sit there, and I have to challenge my thought of, like, well, that's just... I like the gourd. Yeah, the gourd aesthetic is lovely. But it's an aesthetic, and they're not. Com- they don't have anything to prove. They have nothing right. to, 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 to gamble on. Or they're not trying to. It's really about not proving anything. I'm sure. Um, but to 
plastic, you can drop it. It doesn't break. Mm. Plastic can take hot or cold, and you can bleach it. Learning, being able to bleach a substance is really important in blood sacrifice religions. I'm mm. just mm-hmm. putting it out there. Mm. Um, and it reminds me, too, one of the arguments I've had, I've probably even mentioned on this program before, but spam. That, like, that spam is, I am sure, it's one of the purest most profound ancestral offerings because everything that our ancestors hoped for, that there is a product that is half protein and half fat akin to bacon, which is like the perfect like thing that has an indefinite shelf life, <laughs> meaning you can take it with you. You can give it to your grandchildren. It's like better than gold mm-hmm. of the thought, the mentality of food that you can pass on mm. food that is permanent um, so it, it was a, it started as a joke many, many years ago, but that the importance of, of things like that, that like a canned spam does have great significance for within a traditional context. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that it's, that that's what you should ask for first when the divination is going, but you never know. Mm. Um, so and what that says about a mindset of approaching these things as well, you know, the, the surprising things or the things that might surprise us when we're. Yeah, trying to be authentical than thou. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're wearing Plata, not Prada, and I will not accept your prayers. <laughs> um, yeah. I only eat certain hearts. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Um, that'll be a good footnote. Okay. So, the wonder, the Wunderkind that is St. Lucy, and all of her wonderful stopping the evil eye, and, and this, I'd love to see more magic that might explore the use of the sword in the throat. Mm. Um because in her case it was not being able to stop her mm-hmm. preaching um similar to uh i don't see her used as a shut up saint though stopping the evil eye yes stopping from being taken off of right, your axis right. yes right. precisely i guess because she she wasn't shut up by it um although obviously there's all sorts of manipulation of the tools of uh saints martyrdom that become their attributes yeah of uh, course and then like left hand right hand match you know machinations in, in in iberia but I'm interested in the idea of there being fennel in her traditional oil mm-hmm. on the basis of that uh, that attribution that it's one of the the things that Prometheus stole fire from the the gods mm. in as well. And so again, that Luciferian thing, and also the idea of the the the, the tube of the throat uh, that that, That's that has very the interesting. fire. Yeah, and even rue, which is you know one of the most bitter substances, and and you know whether it's a substitute for Syrian rue or not, like, we're talking about the genuine use of rue in the Mediterranean as rue, mm. um, which bitter is its own type of fire. Mm. Especially when you take something bitter, there is a warmth that, that goes through the body, which it also stimulates the release of bile from the gallbladder when mm. you take and taste anything bitter, which of course is a, a whole other type of, we're talking, a, a convergence of possible humoral. Oh yeah, totally that, humoral. Um, yeah, the, 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 the root notion of digestion is concoction, which is a kind of fire, and that which stokes that fire uh, yeah, bitters as as, uh, as as not just digestive, but as uh, present in how we, um, what's the fancy word for it? You know, gain nutrients from that which we consume. Um, that was fancy enough. Yeah, you right. said it in English accent. I believed you. <laughs> it, it's it's true too. Well, with the brew, just as an aside, in case I forget to mention it later, our our demon pair for later. Oh yeah, uh, Tronqueta is very associated with rue. Um, we could jump into that now if you want. Saints to demons right away. <laughs> um, sure. 
So, um, that demon, I can't pronounce it, and I know he does one thing in the in the book that I know of, and so I have no experience with him, so I bow completely to the oh, good doctor. Most of the time, Clister, in theory, Clistheret uh, in the um, the block like line. Yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? Claret, um, that's why. Yeah. It spoke with more claret than clarity. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's the in... I may or may not be pouring more sangria. I'm not... <laughs> it, it, yeah. Okay. Go on. Mommy's cup runneth under. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alibek has it as Clister, uh, and that's, I think, the more popular one, but Clistheret in, in Blockhill, Blockhill texts and, and elsewhere. Uh, in, as I said, in Lansdowne, 1202, it's Ceramel or... It's really sexy when you quote things so well. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the beauty of homework, you know, it's... A whole Cover your ass. It's a whole different kind of cheating. Uh-huh. The answer's already lodged in your head. Uh, so, I wanted to have that demon from Verum because the way it's generally phrased, they, their office is to make it seem day or night whenever you wish. Um, in one of the other readings in Lansdowne, it's uh, he will make spectators experience day or night, which is already <laughs> <Just> interesting. Because <laughs> it's the, the, I'm going to give you the illusion that it's dark when it's light yeah. and light when it's dark. Not actually make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a seeming, uh, which is not the the Grimoire covering its ass. Like it doesn't need to do that. There are other spirits that that, that it, it doesn't say seem to bring you gold or you know <laughs> seem to unlock doors or or seem to show you. But let's be honest, that's the case for most modern workers. <laughs> no, I mean I'm a millionaire in my own mind. Right, right, right. Ten dollars is a fortune. Uh, <laughs> and and you were indeed shown the fortune. No, agreed, agreed. And that's interesting in terms of illusions and how we deal with them or don't deal with them and, and the idea of a demon of illusion interests me on those grounds. And it splits or a demon of Allusion. Allusion. Uh, <laughs> Tony Wonder style. <laughs> <laughs> to what does this demon allude to? Anyway. Where does it take us? Mm. Mm. So, uh, there's two ways that I've seen this uh, spirit being worked. One is a direct idea of bringing light or darkness. Um, there is a working in one of the Hadean pamphlets, which I believe is the Goetic Spellwork one in which a lamp is used uh, and can um, bring light to a situation is the way it's, it's, it's framed. So we already have a, a kind of metaphor going on, along with it being made day or it being made light and, and seeing... Mm. I think I've also seen... I think it's Clis that is also used in an operation I've seen to blind uh, enemies as well. And that's already... Which is, which is- Sorry, that's in a form of invisibility then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is different than the normal, like, you can't see me, it's because you're so distracted with something else. You're blinded by the sun. Yeah. You're blinded by whatever yeah, yeah. it is. It's what, what can I put, what can I distract you with? The media flare. Mm-hmm. Of, like, how can I stir up things that blind you to what's really going That's fascinating. Right, right, right. And and, 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 and puts confusion workings into the realm of, of uh, potential confusion workings into the realm of, of invisibility Okay, magics. see, then I relate to the St. Lucy factor mm-hmm. of... of we see the dragon manifesting, we see the darkness coming, but there is, for those that can see her and believe in her, the hope is coming. No. Okay, that's cool. Because otherwise our segue was just Rue, and that's really weak segue. <laughs> no, 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 I, pick, I picked the That starts with R! <laughs> <laughs> Rutabaga! 
<laughs> that's a silly word. Um, and, 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 and a terrible name for a demon, possibly. Or a great name for a familiar. I don't know. Vinegar Tom and Rudebaker. Uh, so, you know, that was, that was delib- a deliberate choice, uh, the idea of bringing light. And the, if I'm remembering this right, the, the blindness operation is even done with a thing that the... I talked to the, 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 the worker that was doing it and they had used black hellebore based off some law that said whatever you applied, you could use black hellebore to reverse the effects of everything else. So the, 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 the working is full of like eye bright and things like that for sight. Mm. But then there's one ingredient which crucially, it, they're all about locating what is affected, but the actual effect is flipped. Mm. Which I was also fascinated by. And black hellebore is also associated with algal, which is... You know, the, the eyes of Medusa there. So that's interesting. Huh. Also, the, the, the caveat that black hellbore is not what modern people think. Black hellbore is almost all species of European hellbore. Right. And it's, it's its own thing. But mm-hmm. it was a picky thing. We were like, was it real black hellbore? I was like, it's all black hellbore. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, we're not talking storax here. Right. Uh, no, that's fascinating. Which, interestingly, coincides to our other topic, which is oil lamps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Okay, so there's a flow between everything. I mean, oil lamps... Here are versatile. I'll, I just, uh, sorry, I'm getting distracted of like having the normal Jesse problem. Like, do I talk about Escher Truncata or oil lamps? Because both <laughs> are in my head right now. Um, Escher Truncata has very little to do with oil lamps. Yeah. So let me stick with the thing I started with oil lamps. I one of the things that I love about oil lamps is the versatility of it, and I think they're an underutilized uh, thing in the modern world, especially since the the tools are not readily available in the way that people think they are. Uh, first off, paraffin sucks. Mm. Paraffin, liquid, or lamp oil is terrible. I hate the smell. It makes me itch. I think it's shit. Spend some money, and by that I mean $5, and get some floating wicks from eBay, from the Greek Orthodox suppliers, and get those 100% pure beeswax that some of them are scented with floral oils, and they will burn in olive oil. Mm. And then people go, oh, that's much more expensive. Good, it should be a sacrifice. Mm. Almond oil should be a sacrifice. And, you know, the history of the, the ATR use of oil lamps has its own huge thing. It was a very big thing because seven-day glass candles, let's face it, are a product of modern times. Right. So a lot of candle magic is actually oil lamp magic that's been translated. Right. And let's not forget the ubiquitous alcohol lamps, which were more common than for people that couldn't. So artists were famous for using alcohol lamps, which was the cheapest alcohol you could buy in there. And that would be your light at night when you were painting. Mm. But alcohol in there allowed for putting plants in there, which allowed for actual tinctures being burned, which allowed for those magics to work. Mm-hmm. The other side of with oil lamps is that they're living entities. And once they are made, once the herbs, the the, the minerals and the, the prayers have been said... Such complicated recipe lists for some of them as well. Yeah, absolutely. But they're tended to, and that yeah. as long as there's oil and a flame can be burnt, that they are a living spirit. Mm. And according to which tradition you're using them in, that like... You know, in Kimbana, those are under the province of Novelusis and, and, and Nine Lights and, and the, the issues that control this kind of petitioning through gathering ingredients. You're making, in essence, uh, a, a bottle spell that is just open and it's, it's inflamed. And you could add other oils that are prepared. You could add a tablespoon of palm oil. You could add grains of paradise. You could add the heart of the pigeon that you fed the, the bowl to begin with. You could, whatever it is. Mm. But that as long as you're keeping it and making sure it doesn't go dry, because animals, anybody who keeps oil lamps, uh, you will have mice problems. <laughs> they will come and they will drink it and think it is for them. Uh, but, you know, changing the wick once a day, as long as you tend to it once a day, it's considered to stay alive. Mm. And that even if it goes completely 
you don't need it for a while. You still want to store it with oil. And it would be covered and treated like it can be revived right away. And you might just refresh it with a few things. But a lot of our oil traditions come from oil lamps that you wouldn't necessarily make a huge mother bottle and burn everything. Maybe you would take a tablespoon of that oil and put it into a more portable one that was for a client or something like that. Right. And that in this tending to oil lamps that you could take a tablespoon of this lamp oil and give it to the person. So that if you have this spell working and it's a spell for, for reconciliation at home and the oil lamp is, is burning at your worker's house because the person's not going to burn a ritual oil lamp in their own house, but maybe they would. Or maybe they'd take a tablespoon of that oil and take it home to the lamp that's near the bed or cook with it or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly you're not going to cook with amber, with whale fat. In that time. But I mean, like, it just depends on what the oil lamps are made of and how it's going. But once you get away from paraffin, oil lamps become a, whole, a totally different thing, in my opinion. I also like the idea of edible oils, oils that can be eaten because they are then eat, eaten by the spirit. They are eaten by the flame and the flame becomes its own thing. And for a cult like Kimbanda, where the flame is worshipped as a conscious entity, where it's understood as a conscious entity, the flame at the crossroads, that each lamp in essence becomes a minor eshu under the province of the eshus that have built, helped build it. Yeah, yeah. And similarly in, in Ocha, that you know if you're going to hollow out a watermelon and put all these things in it for a lamp for a local or Yamaya, and you're filling it with almond oil and it's got all these things in it, that it's a, it's a pretty extensive and often expensive undertaking. Yeah. But lamps work wonders. And I'm telling you, Orthodox oil floats work are great. Uh, they're a lot easier than building floats the way the books say to do. I know that we can go back and do that. You can flatten out a bottle cap and put a slice of cork in there. Mm-hmm. But for four ninety five, I'm just going to plug it. I will footnote. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what are you uh, going to spend your, uh, 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 your your fat slice of that Greek Orthodox sponsorship money on? Um, More lamps. More lamps. Uh, the first thing that came to mind, I should not say on the air. Um, but I would take one of those great Grand Schema cloths that is similar to my whole obsession with Golgotha and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, who, as an aside, I'll, I'll, did you see that YouTube video of the guy who, uh, it's a monastery where he hammers? Yes. And so the calling to prayer is reminding people of the hammering of Noah's Ark. Yeah. Like, come save it's yourself. It's not like a bell. It's like a, it's, it's a, it's a hammer against It's a hammer in a specific rhythm, with yeah. its, which reminds me of other hammered rhythm things like Basque Chalaparta and things like that. But I like this idea of saving yourself. Like, I'm doing the work. If you want to come join me, go ahead. But I'm not telling you you have to come. Save yourself or not. Hmm. Which is a totally different attitude. Like, the bell feels a little bit more like a, come and get it now or all, you're going to, you know. Yeah, yeah. All things shall bow. Yeah. Mm. So, okay, going back to Eshu Tronqueira, who mm. is the Eshu that is associated with Christet? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tronqueira is, is um, it's kind of an obsession for me this year, not necessarily Eshu Tronqueira, but the Tronqueira in general and Tronco as I began teaching courses on, on the, the Tronco and exploring uh, the corresponding deities yeah. of this central world tree and things like this in, in, in South America and the Caribbean. Um, Iroko, uh, Kitembo, and and uh, Loco. Uh, this concept of the the teak or the seba or uh, the figueira, um, becoming... the tree under which all spirits gather. Yes, and therefore demon and angel, and whether it's ocha or or um, meaning Yoruba derived systems or Fombe systems or uh, Congolese systems, that there is this understanding of a tree under whose roots go down into the other world and our branches there and whose roots go, or whose branches go into heaven. 
um, and that the high gods dwell at the top and the dead gather at the roots and all spirits are there. That um, the east of the tree brings blessings, the west of the tree brings curses, and this is how you work the tree. You don't cross the shadow. You don't do like these kind of universal things that are seemingly apparent not only in the Afro-Diasporic traditions that have come here and appropriated the use of the flora here, as they should, because those other trees are in Africa, mm. um, the idea that the West African teak becomes the Seba in the Caribbean, and the Seba is the world tree of the Arawak and the Taino, and heavily important for the Nahua culture and the Mayan culture, mm-hmm. and is one of the first trees created and is represented by the Cayman and the crocodile that was the, is the first day on the calendar, and all these other things. So it like all flows together in this very beautiful way, but I also find it very interesting that, you know, this is kind of a, a digression and, and, and is a talk that I hope to give at some point to a larger audience. Um, but uh, the idea that a world tree can be a, a tutelary deity or a possessory deity or a deity that can be propitiant, and especially within the Orisha and the uh, Mbungu and the the, the other traditions, uh, like the Fombe, that you anybody can go to this tree and make a petition. As long as you are with respect and, and there, he's a tricky deity universally. But that you can go to him because he's a tree. That you anybody can go to the ocean and petition because it's the ocean. Right. Um, so this concept of going to this now, where Tronquera fits in, Tronquera is also the name for the working space of, of Kimbanda. So Eshu Tronquera becomes, in essence, also a, a patron of the shrine right. and the stability of the shrine. And he is noted to be a very stable Eshu. Um, and a guardian of the Tejero and um, uh, balancing out energies in it, exchanging um, bad for good and, and good for bad, if that's the case. Um, he is heavily associated with Rue. He's depicted as a caboclo, almost, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's showing a native influence and, mm-hmm. and that type of understanding. The Tronquera itself, though, is heavily connected to things like the the, the what is called the banyan tree in the New World, but is actually... Um, uh, a ficus like like the banyan, but is uh, in the U.S. would be the strangler figs that are down in South Florida, or they grow in Brazil as well, um, or the the figueira tree, uh, which is noted because it grows from the the top down. It grows it's it bursts its seed pods, which land in another tree, or are shot out by another bird, uh, and land in a tree, and it grows and it taps it sends roots down into the soil and it slowly envelops the tree that was hosting it until it kills it. Right. and that the tree itself just keeps growing by sending down more roots. You can take one branch of it and it will plant itself and grow again. And I don't want to give all of my course goodies away, but <laughs> um, this concept of the Tronqueta and its ability, because in some ways I was thinking about this, of like if something starts in another tree, it's almost like I'm below ground when its roots are coming down to me. Um, there's a different visual quality of like I'm seeing roots growing from down yeah. from a place where I should normally see branches. Right, right, right. So it's like still pretending that I'm underground with all these spirits, which is an interesting me obsession visualization. I don't know if that's there, but no, but I, it's part of that whole uh, hourglass of a tree in both worlds yeah. and what it is in the upside down, right? Certainly, um, Tronqueira is as far as an issue goes. He's he guards the doorway. Um, he is one of the eshes that you can sing to with Lana Portera Medoche Uncentinela. At my at my at my door, I leave. I have a sentinel, a, a guard, and his name is Mister Tronquera, or his name is Sechiportas, or his name is Sechiporteras, or whoever, whatever eshu it is. But the Tronquera is not necessarily the guardian of the door so much as the guardian of the whole tejero, and the stability of the tejero, and the thing which the tejero 
can firmly root itself in, which is its own thing. And it, it is there is a a transmission there from initiator to initiate head that you cannot start a new Taito until you have permission and you must have completed your seven years and do all these other things um, in various traditions. And and the thing about Candomblé, Gimbanda, whatever it is, it's all influenced by the other religions that are there. So the the structure of Candomblé is not Yoruba, mm. but it uses most popularly Yoruba gods. So the Candomblé Nago versions, Ketu, Yesha, these things, they have Orisha, but the house structure and the physical, the the organizational structure share things with Congolese and Fombe mm. because they were there first. Mm. So the Congolese being there first, a lot of the structure of even a Yoruba Tahiro is still going to reflect Congolese belief about how a house should be built mm. and not a Yoruba belief because this is how you build a Tahiro. Right. So the idea that you can't have a Tahiro, which means yard, you cannot have a Tahiro without certain trees being present yeah. and certain sources to running water and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. That it's why I can't say I have a Tahiro here. Yeah. Um, but should you have land, should you have certain trees, or at least trees that can stand in and in be, have this other spirit invoked to them, it's like a tree standing in for a tree, standing in for a tree. Right. If we did it once, we can do it again. Mm-hmm. But this is a whole other argument with cold, cold climate ATRs. Mm. And how do you deal with the fact that we don't, Saba doesn't grow outdoors here the same way? You could have a Saba in the house and we know it works, but there are people that have suggested everything from sycamore to walnut. For, for a Saba substitute, depending on what you need it for. Yeah. But I also think it's, it's a, I, you know, if you want to go on World Tree lore, you could go to Rowan or Ash, right, Ash heavily yeah. if it's it's going to be this type of... And Ash also has that thing that I think you pointed out to me, which is that it is a translation that might well just mean tree. Yes, especially in uh, Scandinavian, so Norwegian, I know it's definitely a thing. It's like, what is that tree? It's Ash or it's Oak. It's one of the two. Yeah. It's not like, it's like saying you want a Coke or a Sprite. Mm. Um, you know, it's just like, oh, oh it, it's, it's cola it's, or light. It's, uh, what's the term? Uh, brand, um, uh, 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 uh what's naming? Yeah. Uh, uh, so Who was it that was telling me that was about this too, of like with branding of like the, the, the detriment that is caused by when you start having your brand name being used as a verb. So Googling something and Xeroxing something is bad. Kleenex. Because then Not anybody a- can be a clean, anybody can, can use it. Mm-hmm. Because it's now yeah, it's out it's, of copyright. so that's mm-hmm. why you started hearing Kleenex brand tissues yeah, and yeah, yeah. Xerox brand copiers mm-hmm. um, to remind people like no the name brand was good right right um, <laughs> divergent topic but I, so anyway in short Truncata he can be listed for the day and night thing I think this is primarily a grimoire overlay I'm very curious as to to why these two are with each other. Again, half the time when these associations happen, I'm just like, seems like someone found a list and was like, let me line them up. Right. Um, yeah. But Truncator himself is is also, like I know, I don't believe it's in Nick's uh, Eshu book because it's it's not, he's he's in all kingdoms mm-hmm. and none. Um, much like Pimenta or some of the others. It's just, it's it's a much harder Eshu to classify as a kingdom. Is he the Smathos? No, he's incredibly the Salmas, if anything. But he's a tree, so it it, it's, it becomes very mm. difficult to play with. Caboclo's Kimbanderos, fine, as a line, because he's a caboclo, but he's yeah. not. Not just a Kimbanda spirit, but a Kimbanda spirit of Kimbanda. Yeah. Of some, so, of some, like, mystery of the cult. Yeah, brings peace, calmness, protects the house, the land, the property. He can be called upon to restabilize someone when unwanted possessions are happening. Um, uh, they used to offer eggs on the head in water and glasses or, or and pray to him and mm. just to draw the thing out of the person. That stabilizing is interesting because m- my own um, work with the counterparted Verum spirit is a lot more about 
day and night as you wish and is a lot more based on timing to be honest mm. and and some 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 uh timing stuff and and some things around turning things upside down and balancing uh, again that that underlying humoral theory thing that underlying day turns to night turns to day turns to night mm -hmm. uh, that sense of um keeping something in a in a, in a sacred place mm -hmm. where it was put at a particular time and nailing that time point down as well so you can have day and night as you as you see fit the idea of a save point in time that kind mm. of stuff okay okay and so uh, uh while i while i agree i don't think that they're, they're especially um related that that idea of um of a sacred space that is only opened at certain times of night um with a tronco um doesn't doesn't it reminds me of it if i was having you know if we sat down and were deliberately trying to bash them together yeah it, what you're saying makes sense to me if i if i sit and think of a way to to compare the two uh if we're talking about turning day into night and night into day for the sake of invoking the spirits that need to be invoked during the day or the night then the fact that Truncata is tied to the world tree which controls spirits ascended descent and for the fact that under the world tree under the sabar under the figata that there is always shade so the dark, the spirits that need nighttime can always be in the buttressed roots mm -hmm. in the recesses of those roots um or, or under its shadow and there's also daylight um that there is something there that that's interesting that like it's not for the sake of just doing it because um you and, know and it's timing as well because because Clista is part of in most uh grimoire sets is is set with uh Masildi and Silcade and Masildi is the the traveler can can take you to to wherever you, you're trying to get to um it's kind of the main reason why I've ended up referring to them at least in passing as the the rangers guild uh, also because mm -hmm. i'm a living chick track to come to life uh but the the idea of um being able to move through space being uh, being paired with the idea of being able to like move through time in some way or at least to take the advantages and depending on the translation of silcade is something around giving dispensation in 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 places where you might not have um firm things it, it it looks to me like a set of spirits that all have a commonality in terms of their use in for the itinerant sorcerer mm. uh, someone on the move in various ways who doesn't have access to all the things perhaps um, you're running from the last giant failure right <laughs> or running to the next success let's put it in a positive spin <laughs> um you know, it's, it, it it calls to mind of course you know for those of us that are main like is obsessed the the Ponto Menoichi that talks about midnight falling on the Kulunga and and the forest and the crossroads, but whenever he comes, it's midnight, so he can come anytime he wants, right? Because his name is midnight. It's a pun, but also that he himself is the essence of midnight, and therefore there is an ability to turn all things, all times become midnight when he is present, right? Um, and what does it mean to be in the middle of a night? Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I, I have that. So that is a sore spot for me with many. There's an Ocha rant of not being out at 6 a.m., 6 p.m., noon, and midnight, the quarters of the day. I get it. However, when I ask people about daylight savings and they're like, so to me it should be astrolo astrological, astro our, our old factor of zenith, nadir, sunrise, sunset mm -hmm. in some way. It should and be actually And people are like, no, it shouldn't be that. It should be 6, 6, noon, and noon. I was like, I get. I, I don't mind someone saying to me that they're going to leave the tokens of noon, noon, 6, and 6 as the quarters. Mm -hmm. But if we're actually going to explore the metaphysics of it, mm -hmm. it should be the zenith, the nadir, the sunrise, and the sunset. Period. 
It's very Houses of the Heavens as well, right? But with the planetary hours, then I'm not going to put you out in the middle of the day when the sun is directly overhead or the sun is directly underneath, mm-hmm. and not when there's a transition time, the liminal time, of it going into another world. Yeah, yeah. And, sorry, that's just one of those things that I still, uh, I with all respect to my elders, um, although my godmother agrees with me on this one, um, being the astrologer that she is, <laughs> of it makes more sense that it, it, it represents something. We know that the clocks were fastened like that, and because if we're reading a sundial, that's exactly what it is. Mm. Um, but we don't all have the uh, convenience of, of understanding why time is organized as it is. Um, things that they should teach you in school. Um, bring back the quadrivium and the trivium. Damn it. Okay. That's another seven-part crossroad. Oh, three and four. Three and four. It's all good. <laughs> do, you can do things in small, accomplishable numbers, like mm-hmm. three and four. Mm-hmm. Don't think about all seven. Okay. So, wow, we've done a pretty good amount of time just on our first few topics. We haven't talked in a while, no. so we're keep bringing it in, but let's let's keep going. Um, there's an argument to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just like, Tell oh, segue. Yeah. Mm, look for a segue. Uh, there's a, an argument we could talk about a, you know, we've talked about a tree that strangles other trees. Um, we could talk about a the symbiotic or pseudo-symbiotic uh-huh. version of mistletoe. In that case, we figured that was a nice one to... It's a nice holiday plant for sure. Right, right. Um, my experience with mistletoe is... Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell the historical anecdote of what, what it's like to be a young child told that mistletoe is. And then thinking every bird nest you see during the winter is mistletoe. Aww. Because it just there was a clump of something yeah, in the tree. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's mistletoe! It's mistletoe! Mm-hmm. Um, it grows on the, the ranch, my family ranch, um, up in near Lake Piru in California. And uh, so I have a huge amount of it, which is always fun to be able to collect it without it touching the ground so that I know that it's never touched the ground. It grows mostly on liquid amber trees there, hmm. which is what it, which is also the tree that gets struck the most by lightning on that property. Oh, wonderful. There's an amazing um, liquid amber tree when you go right before the main gate that's in a three-way crossroad next to a dry well, a barn, a blacksmith shop, and a residence, which has had supposedly... Um, a lot of animals buried around it, um, but it's been struck by lightning. That was a lot of words. A lot of saliva. Struck by lightning three times. So there's char marks in a big hollow center, and it bears mistletoe. Mm. Um, you do get it on the on the live oaks as uh, the scrub oaks, but this is not as exciting. I mean, like I, I grew up thinking an oak tree was one thing, and then I found out there's a whole other class of oak trees, and like the live oaks of California are not necessarily the they're very tiny little leaves with hard edges. Stepping oh, on the leaves hurts. The spiky guys. Like, yeah, it's and, more like a red oak. Uh, it's not. It's not flat like a red oak. It, it's um, a lot of people are like those aren't oaks, and it's like it's because they carry their leaves year round. So they're called live oaks for that reason. They another version of them grows in the south that are also called live oaks, um, but they have tiny little leaves. They are great for galls. A lot of galls Ooh. on them, so you get these giant, giant galls from them, but. That's what I thought, and they grow uh, cobwebs. Grow them is the correct word, not not harbor spiders that do that. They like manifest cobwebs hmm. in huge ways. Um, but I went to a, a school, a grammar school that was called Anokia, which was named for the oak trees that were prevalent in it, along with the person who owned it. It was this amazing estate with a, a mansion and stuff. There were lots of oak trees, so mm. I had a lot of friendly times with oak trees. Um, mistletoe, I didn't know until later, was growing all over the place there too. Um, Obviously, the, the, the main thing with mistletoe is, yes, it is um, 
a tree that or a plant that grows on another plant. It can bear wood, so you can actually get wood if it's an old growth. Yeah. Um, it's a white berry, green leaves, has the lore of Baldur, and the the manipulation of Loki swear um, finding the one plant that did not swear an oath to to protect um, Baldur mm-hmm. um, by Frigga. So uh, it causes the death. Right. Um, and I've heard lots of lore as to this sealing with a kiss and the, the, the idea of it being tied into the Balder mythos. Oh, really? Um, whether that's true or not, I mean, who knows where Victorian things come from. Right. Um, but that it is tied to this uh, idea of peace and goodwill under the mistletoe because never again would it kill someone like that. Oh. Um, it's interestingly used in herbal medicine quite... I mean, its name means all heal. Mm. Um, mm. And... Uh, it's it's a strange plant. There's a European variety and an American variety that I know of. I'm more familiar with the American because most of my life I've known it. My experience with the European is interesting that for me, my I find it more not on not on the sacred oak, but on fruit trees. Mm-hmm. Apple trees especially. I remember being with you at Oh, your parents are gonna kill me, I don't remember the name. The manor that we went to. Oh yeah, uh is that Snow's Hill? Snow's Hill. Yeah, yeah. That their apple orchard had mistletoe in every other tree mm-hmm. and I was just like can I please take this please? <laughs> I, was like, I think we're going to get kicked out if we do anything with it but so prevalent in fruit trees and that was my experience in Spain as well that it was growing in fruit trees more that's um, interesting and uh, I've always been curious about that also uh, what mushrooms grow on certain trees you know like Chaga's relationship with birch and, yeah. and, and Fly Garrick's relationship with birch and other trees of that mm-hmm. of that nature it's interesting you know at least apples because the the, the the idea of mistletoe as as, as kissing because because peace mm-hmm. and because uh, accord has been reached again the idea we I think we talked about in some other episode about uh, handshake and kiss uh, being a Roman way of like sealing a deal and so it was it was a it was a, a compact more than it was any sense of like um, romantic or erotic uh, connotation but that certainly seems nowadays to be more uh, I'm sure I've seen people argue you can take a clip of uh, mistletoe, uh, as a as and use it as an aphrodisiac. Seen as that. Oh yeah, it's always tied to people. fertility, right? Yeah, like right. and even the idea of like the spear being launched to, that kills Baldur is, yeah. is is a it's a phallic. If it's a dart, then that's yeah. exactly what Cupid uses as well. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's um, the same, down to the same word. Yeah. So it's uh, and that that Holder is blind. Right, the god that, that launches the sphere, not but yeah. you know the idea that Loki gives influences Holder to do this, um, and Cupid being blind and all these other things. It's interesting, mm-hmm. um, but that uh, mistletoe makes up for its part in the murder by being a symbol of peace and friendship and fertility. After that point, yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting that you mentioned because the Roman sign of peace, we were always taught in CCD that it was for checking for a dagger, so it was grabbing up to the elbow because this is where you sheathe the dagger. Ah. So Pax was to say, I don't bear a weapon. Yeah, yeah, there are yeah. no weapons on me. I'm not here to kill you. And that similarly, a kiss was to show that you didn't poison the person, that I will take of your saliva as well. Ah. So even the lips where the poison would be kept. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is you can transmit poison with a kiss. <laughs> Anybody who's seen Game of Thrones, because that's historically accurate. Um, I still want dragons. Oh, it's it's totally a, a trope of, um, not quite femme fatales, but um, of... of, of whether whether it's a, a, a sci-fi or a fantasy setting, some kind of sorceress mm-hmm. um, uh, bestowing poison by a kiss. I think it's also a little bit of manipulation, right, with mistletoe of like. I remember reading uh, the the coercion factor of 
you know, the, the, the joke that's in like every sitcom from the eighties and later of a little boy going around with mistletoe and holding it over every girl he sees that yeah. you have to kiss him mm-hmm. and that bad luck will befall you and you'll be infertile uh, originally. Uh-huh. But now it's just like, now you're going to get bad luck. And it's like, now it's just like, okay, whatever. Right. You know, um, it's the fruit of polyamory at this point, but it, that coercion, I, that, 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 that forcing of it yeah. is interesting, especially in light of, of, you know, uh, it's forceful nature as it grows off a, a host mm-hmm. i always forget because because biologists quite, quite specific about what counts as a a true parasite versus a true symbiote um because it doesn't necessarily um does it expressly harm the host i forget it's a hemiparasite that's there we go um so it does leech but it but doesn't... i'm going off here of like herbal school memory as opposed to <laughs> i just know that it has droops and it's a hemiparasite okay it does not have seeds it has droops um but uh, yeah, it is not a full parasite the same way. The same way that something that would kill its host outright. Yeah, I just know it. it. It won't kill the host outright. It's not like a a figata, which is is doesn't really tap into the tree the same way. But like that takes over and kills the tree. Mm. Um, but it is is its own thing. Um, I also find the the connection in a lot of modern writings about traditional witchcraft that it is the corresponding plant to mandrake Hmm. that mandrake is the crown of hell and mistletoe is the crown of heaven because it never touches the ground so there is a parallel between that um and certainly from from the iberian lore i've studied it is it it does hold a place it has obviously mistletoe is hugely celebrated in british lore um especially with the the norse inheritance the the northern inheritance and the Victorian class perpetuating the growth of mistletoe, like saving mistletoe by like deliberately allowing crops to grow on yeah. trees so that you can harvest it and sell it at, at wintertime mm-hmm. um, and get your working class kiss in. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's something there's something wholly interesting about that, that the, 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 the dragon in the ground and the serpent in the tree, um, mm. all of these things that are parallels. If you're wondering about a quality in the sound differences, because we took a cookie break when the doorbell rang. <laughs> it's vital. <laughs> Mama needs more sangria. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you people and what are you doing in my living room? <laughs> All right. Um, also of note. Oh, the, the the mistletoe is also the actual golden bough. Yes. Um, for which Fraser names the the, the book. And as, as you just pointed out, the, the, the silver branch is, is apple. So mm-hmm. again, we have that um, notion of, of oak and apple both having this kind of um, association with it of sorts. I find, first off, Fraser, read the 13 volumes. It's worth it, not the abridged. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of one-line lore that you do not get in the abridged version. It's like, oh, and the random people in this con- town do blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's worth at least if you're if you're not familiar with Fraser you should be, um, I will be that snot and says that oh. Fraser, at least in passing. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, yeah. Fraser changed how people thought about magic. Well, it, it, yeah, he creates a, a whole set of um, criteria, not even criterion, uh, a criteria, the, 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 the metrics and the descriptions the of terminology. things of, of contagion and sympathetic and sympathy, as which aren't his originally, but to put them back into the parlance yeah, again, yeah. in addition to, although I disagree, and most modern magicians would disagree 
with his evolutionary time theory of right. magic evolves into religion, but he allowed for magical thought to be a valid thing and mm -hmm. not a thing of superstition, which in post-Protestant Reformation era predominant cultural lens is a revolutionary thing mm -hmm. to insert magic back in as a possibility. Mm -hmm. Now he does give it through a slightly superstitious, like it's a superstition here, or it may have been an explanation of this because okay. he's still lodged within the paradigm of his time. Sure. You know, he's still swimming in his own waters, mm -hmm. but the documentation of folklore in that way. And also it's a huge effect upon Gardner. Mm. And the, the the concepts and what became the neo-pagan revival and then became uh, so much of what we think of in the West as alternative spirituality now yeah. is heavily tied to that. Not to mention is the one of the main inspirations behind Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. He's oh, of course. Heart of Darkness. And he's reading it at the end. Mm -hmm. Golden Bough is there. Mm. And the whole... The sacrifice of the Rex Nemorensis, that, that, that in order to become king, you must kill the current king. Mm. And that uh, anybody who's a fan of the Wicker Man will see the influence of Golden Bough thought based upon that time period. It, 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 it 50 years, uh, 80 years into the future, reaching those thoughts. And that, especially if you, re if you like Wicker Man, the chants come out of death, uh, the Golden Bough. Yeah. We carry death out of the village is. Another culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just pulling things. He reifies uh, Robin a, a, a whole set of something. tropes, right? Yes. From from the Fisher King onwards that, yes. that may have been present in some form. And that's also why the, the we analysis... We carry death no. out of the village. <laughs> we carry death out of the village. And on that bunch, there was a... Yeah. <laughs> Etc. Um, you had the beer? What? This, yeah, uh, which I made fun of you for, but that's that's fine. It's, it's <laughs> jolly good humor. It's 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 not solely from uh, from, from, from it is from not. Corn rigs and barley rigs is not exclusively or invented for uh, the Wicker Man. Bobby Burns, mm -hmm. Robert Burns, the origin of the Haggis myth. Mm -hmm. um, A wee timorous beastie, <laughs> two legs shorter than the other, <laughs> <laughs> stands on hills. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and then some people had some great alternative suggestions on that, but, yeah. You did it beautifully. You did it beautifully. Yeah, Ejaculation of Serpents. Ejaculation of Serpents. Great name for it. Which is my Skype handle, just putting it out there. <laughs> I already claimed it. Um, okay, so we've got, we're actually doing pretty good on, this is, this feels a little bit more like we have to get through these points, mm. which we learned in the Candlemas episode, which still has not been put up before the time of this recording, mm -hmm. which will all happen this week. It will. It will have to. Mm -hmm. We'll hire people. Yeah. Um, we learned that we can't just, we have to sometimes say no yeah. and move on because we're, the Candlemas episode was like seven hours long total yeah, and we had to break yeah. it into two. Mm -hmm. But, uh, okay. Uh, it's apt that we're preparing for Candlemas at this time, though. We, you know, that was how we kind of started talking yeah, about Lucy absolutely. and things. Um, and that concept of uh, taking the thing done now and then applying it to Candlemas is, yeah. is, is great. It was, you know, you were saying about Epiphany, and that's also a feature in... I was reading up on, like, King's Cake ceremonies uh, for this, this major thing. were you? Thing. I, was. I would never have known this. I, I, yeah, it's not like I... It's mostly what I talk about now. Uh, but the idea of whoever gets the, the baby J or the father bean or whatever it is, uh, amongst other responsibilities that that then um, brings... Like, the baby J, really? We, went, we, mm -hmm. we reduced that, him to a letter. That's where I'm going with that, yeah. Okay, go mm -hmm. on. Yeah. Uh, whoever gets the baby J or the father bean... Either has to host the next King's Cake party or has to take 
candles to the church at Candlemas. Yes. And has to has to lead that thing there. And if you are like a Mexican tradition with it too, uh, if you get the baby Jesus, the baby the baby Jota, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, you dress you you sometimes a baby Jesus is passed around the family. And the person who gets the baby Jesus gets the little the eighteen inch carved wood baby Jesus that is then dressed in cannabis robes when he's that's the public presentation of mm-hmm. of Mary after her purification and all this mm. other stuff um, because we talked about this with the epiphany thing of like the circumcision of the G, of, of the Jesus wow mm-hmm. um, of Santo Nino is, is a Jesus no the Jesus uh, the Jesus that's right definite article um, oh so many languages anyway uh, no there is something really interesting that and again the parallel with Agatha's feast at the beginning of Candlemas yes. and, and Lucy being the patron and Lucy coming in on the dragon, leaving on the dragon, and like, is the dragon three-headed? Yes, yes, he is, because there's three kings, goddammit. I don't care if the Bible doesn't say there's three kings. Um, it's not a 12-headed dragon. It's a three-headed dragon. Uh, okay. So we've got these things. I think... Uh, let's talk a little bit about geomancy and, and Odu here. Because yeah. I think there's something interesting with the turn of the year here, that mm-hmm. it's going to come in somehow. So here's my link, right? One of the main things that we find in the discussion of the law of the star that leads the Magi uh-huh. in this time is the way that it makes them rejoice. And there is a model of fivefold rejoicing, which boils down to the, the, the star sh- uh, turned up in various ways, not just in the sky to lead them, but it also is identified as the angel that tells the kings to leave at that point and go by go home via a different route or whatever the however the, the translation of that works. So that the star turns up at five different points in the story and at each point they rejoice, they rejoice greatly, they rejoice ever so greatly and it's this kind of building upon mm. joy upon joy. So, is it connected to the angel that appears to Joseph in the dream to, for them to go to Egypt? I'm not sure. I mean it's identified as Gabriel in a lot of places. Uh, so I don't know as much about the the Joseph angel, hmm. uh, or at least the links with the with the Epiphany angel, which is man shaped for for a variety of other reasons. So one of the the pieces of uh, of, of of that lore around that Epiphany and three Magi stuff is directly connected to joy. There's a, a beautiful prayer from either one of the ninth or the twelfth century Anglo texts. Oh, I should footnote myself. There's a beautiful prayer which mainly uh, operates as a historiola of just you better as... reference yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> before I reckons myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a there's, there's, there's a beautiful historiola that just as um, the magi were led to Christ, so um, and 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 Christ received the gifts, so we are led to God, and God will receive our prayers. And the thing that is asked for is joy and joy in in life and in the service of God and those kinds of things. But joy is this big, important thing for them. That's it's it's a, a whole set of uh, the, the the things that allow them retroactively uh, a variety of, of, of church fathers to link to find previous prophecy in the old, in, in, in the Old Testament to back this up. That upon these signs there was great rejoicing is like not an uncommon refrain. Funnily enough. Uh, and there's also ideas around um, spiritual joy being its own um, 
conception within medieval and later early modern passional theory that um, just as the, there is this model, as along with the idea of the, you know, the August, the, 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 the veil of tears that is the world and that we are suffering in order to earn our place in heaven and all that good stuff that, that Protestant work ethic certainly like digs its heels into. There's also a, a notion that the soul itself requires a sustenance and the sustenance of the soul is, is, is spiritual joy and, 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 and that, that it's not just uh, necessary for us to worship or go on arduous pilgrimage or those kind of things, but there's actually a sense of um, some, 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 some goodness that is felt, that the rational mm-hmm. faculty of the soul, which is crucially how it's usually distinguished, that there's the passing joy that the sensitive faculties of the soul can, can perceive your dog, can wag its tail when you pat it on the head and, and show it attention and give it food and treats and things, but you are moving beyond that animalistic part of the soul when you are a good rational Christian in this medieval model and are able to experience a higher gradation of joy. And so there's this interesting kind of um, whether or not you know we want to see that as a, as a uh, 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 an annexing by a by a church of a particular passional state but it's also an argument that ends up becoming relevant when people start talking about enthusiasm in 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 the early modern period and the idea of of prophets and visionaries and people becoming inflamed with the holy spirit in Mm -hmm. various forms so all that is to say that there's a great deal to be said about joy which also happens to be one of the names of a geomantic figure uh the the figure under his mail and uh jupiter of the, the, the other hand being acquisitio, so we have that notion of Jupiterian gain and uh, an expansion. But then on the other hand, we have what is jovial, what is what is joyous, and uh, mm-hmm. joy being especially associated with the, the sanguine temperament, which is, is known for being very agreeable. It's represented by the sanguine humour, which is contained within blood, but blood also as the voluminous, expansive, um, good mixture um, carries all the other humans as well, so we have this notion of drawing it um, as, a, as a as a good mixer, perhaps too good a mixer. That 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 shadow side of the sanguine temperament is meant to be that it's overly seedy or lascivious or salubrious or kind of um, oily or greasy. Like all these haptic analogies still work, uh, as I'm sure I've banged on about before. So Laetitia and 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 Joy uh, have all these other Jupiterian mysteries that aren't necessarily about being big and throwing lightning or or holding a cornucopia they're the effects of that um gain we can think about it as or they're the the fleeting uh, joy uh, often associated with pisces not exclusively but often and i like the idea of joy as being a ripple and being a, a, the the two fish passing each other and the <laughs> the vortices that are created in those moments um and the imagination as a medium through which um, passions are transmitted is, is is a very very old and Im- important notion in at least European occult philosophy and magical practice. It's the the flip side of um, catching people's nightmares or or the evil eye. You know what 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 is moved through. You don't just vent those humors into the air. Or if you do, the air itself has a is a medium. There is a fluid dynamic to contagion, and that idea of of joys. Um, watery nature is interesting because it's the figure itself of, of Laetitia is one dot two dots two dots two dots so um rainbow yeah yeah a, a, an arch um uh, I, I like uh, uh the notion of it as a wedding arch uh, as well um that idea of the you know the, the wedding is the as the happiest day of one's life um kind of thing 
they've all been that for me so far. <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> I think it's one to revisit the concept of joy uh, on its on its own level with talking about uh, Christian notions of joy before I lose too much of our audience. Um, the definition of sin as separation or alienation from God mm. that is self-selected but still has dire repercussions upon the, the physic of the body and the spirit. Right, a moral nosology to the cosmos. Yeah, so yeah. The, the concept that being in proximity to God, increasing in devotions and sacramentals and participating in the sacraments brings you closer to God and therefore brings you joy that that one can be in control of the joy in their life um, and often requires not just sacrifice in the, in the normal sense of it, but uh, a decided effort to participate in the things that provide that closeness or are said to provide that closeness. Um, certainly the real repercussions of, I, I think it's interesting to add into that, uh, what is often called making law in, in some cultures, but uh, keeping up appearances or, or what have you that... Um, Faking it to make it sometimes actually has an effect. Oh yeah, those, those those experiments around uh, getting people to not even asking them to smile when they don't mean it, asking them to hold a pencil mm-hmm. between teeth um, and form their sh- their mouth into the using the muscles one would use to smile, but not even framing it to a to a blind test of an mm-hmm. audience of asking them to smile. Yeah, it's in um, I want to say Richard Wiseman's Wise, uh, his. Uh, one of one of his books that is that combination of debunking self help and also alternative <laughs> self help stuff based yeah. on debunking them. The, the idea, I mean, one of the I I will say this and I will regret saying it in this way, of course, but I think one of the greatest detriments to Western concepts of mind and community and body is the misunderstanding of individuality. Mm. This, this holding how everybody is unique and important and special and should be king and queen and rule the world in this way, mistaking potential for result mm. as well as the concept of individuality is not universal. Um, Campbell, Joseph Campbell went into this in huge ways in, in talking about just mythic patterns of the concept of an individual even in a family is, is, is unheard of in the East. It is not part of Eastern identity. Mm. Um that there are that the Greeks mythologically heavily um, perpetuate this idea of the hero that you can stand out from your family, stand out from your upbringing, and become an individual. And in the West, we're all assumed now to be individuals from the beginning. Um, partially, I think, so that we don't have to, you know, share resources and 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 be our brother's keepers. Um, that hero point is also interesting in terms of you being an expression of family in 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 Greek terms. Of most heroes are some form of, of demigod or at least touched by the divine in, 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 in some apparatus. Also interesting because they aren't necessarily attempting to enact a great good, you know. Uh, they're, they're that, I don't like the term culture hero because I think it doesn't really mean anything or it doesn't, have, it doesn't end up meaning anything. It's a, it's a bizarre placeholder for, for a concept. But, uh, you know, Ulysses isn't trying to, Odysseus isn't trying to, like, make the world a better place he's just trying to get home mm-hmm. right so so he doesn't even have this notion of um the the hero as superhero as as as, as um upholding or or instantiating a moral good batman versus superman mm. um there's also the the added factor in there too that just in in hearing that you know we often say oh they're demigods but the attitude about this i believe is is probably exemplified by many extant cultures where when someone does something 
profound, that has an impact, then we consider them an evidence of the divine. It's the other way and, around. And right. we say, oh, they're, they, you know, that Caesar was descended from Venus. His family, the Kaisers, were descended from Venus. Yes, that is part of the thing. But in his swaying of the masses right. and getting away with shit that no one should have gotten away with, he was a brilliant general. You'd think he'd be a child of Mars. Mm. But there was also the fact that he was persuasive, and this is a Venusian art. Mm-hmm. So it only upholds the fact that he, some of that Venusian blood must have gotten into him. Right. And, and, and that kind of appeal to gods or spirits or planets, it becomes a descriptor rather than a proscription. And also it puts the specificity in that allows a broader application past the immediate repercussions of that individual's life events. Meaning it's now mythologized and canonized, and we learn about it the same way that in 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 Odu that you're going to repeat uh, a story. You don't know if it was a devotee of that deity, if the deity was one of his earthly manifestations, or someone who was just initiated to that deity, and that that becomes that Orisha, that spirit living its life, and we have now a lesson about how they acted very Shango-like, or very Yobatala-like, or very Eshu-like, and now we have codified the story and perpetuated because there was some wisdom in it. Mm. And I think that, you know, I have become very conscious of how I viewed Greek myths because the way that I was introduced to them was through a very um, British lens, the very kind of resurrection of, of, of Roman Greek religion through a British lens, the white marble statues. Let's right. go back to that. Yep. Like, undyed white marble, mm-hmm. very pristine, very it's anthropomorphized. Right, it's because let's yeah. forget, let's not forget, lest we forget, the, the Greeks are an Oriental culture to the Romans. They were considered on par with the Turks, the, the Middle Easterns, the Afghanis, and the Indians. They were Eastern. They are Oriental. They did not have as the civilization of the pole of the Western Europeans, the mm. potential. They weren't as barbaric as the native Celts and the Gauls and all these other people. Mm. But the Romans saw themselves as the center of the world and they took what they could from the Greeks, but they also acknowledged there was a lot of shit they didn't want to take from the Greeks. Yeah. That they were barbarians and that they didn't understand how things went. And the Egyptians, for all of their stuff, that, well, first off, the empire was crumbling of Egypt at the time, but, you know, they helped that. Mm-hmm. And there's it was Greek ruled at the time. So this concept of well Alexander was with Persians and did all this Egyptian blood mating and all these other things it's it it becomes we have to remember that Greek culture is not as pristine and um, I'm saying this next to a Brit, so I'm very self-conscious of this, but it's not as British as the myths are presented to me in my childhood, in my readings. Oh, sure. And also the static nature of it, which has infected because of the biblical impulse of, even with the contradictions of the Bible, that what is here must be true. So if this deity is listed as a, as a daughter or a son of this other deity and it's conflicted somewhere else, well, one of them's wrong. Hmm. As opposed to both are true. It's a myth. Mm-hmm. Learn from both. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe there's multiple manifestations, but who knows? But... Right. This idea that we have now tainted our study of other traditions and cultures with our own paradigms. You know, if you don't know what you're changing or what you're limiting, what you're limiting when you're studying something, go back and read it again after you've studied it for ten years. Mm. Um, that, a, ma- a magical text is that which changes when you read it again. Yeah, which <laughs> all texts. <laughs> you know, I, I, I will go back to what we always say about all texts. All reading is necromantic. Mm-hmm. Not just if the author is dead, but the fact is that they wrote something, and that conversation is dead. Mm-hmm. It is contained, and we can read it, and we can better ourselves, and that's wonderful. At the same time, it is us breathing life into the dry bones of that book, and we are... I love this concept that um, the parallel in Semitic language, um, Arabic and Hebrew and Aramaic, that the consonants are written, 
and the vowels are what is God nature. Mm. So when you are breathing, you know how to construct the universe again because you know what vowels need to go into those words. So you're only writing the consonants for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you are reanimating the original intent through the dry bones, through the dry earth, through the pigment itself, which was made from earth or yeah. ash or whatever it is. To, oh, yeah, to, to, <laughs> to bring it back to life. The act of reading is necromantic. The act of necromancy is by itself, even reading it, especially reading it out loud, giving voice to the unvoiced, mm. the notions of, of breath, voice, and speech, um, uh, breath, voice, and word, let's say, uh, as parallels to salt, sulfur, mercury, <laughs> and certain salt schools of Kabbalah. Of, mm -hmm. I just covered my mouth when I said that, so it sounded like I mumbled. But anyway, <laughs> uh, going back, the power of the word. If I can segue that back to Letizia. Oh, okay. And uh, its corresponding Odu. Obara is complex. <laughs> it is associated with many proverbs. From them, the king does not lie. The king does not lie is, is an important one. Because even in the parallels or the, the in-depth examination of that, that Obara thinks itself higher than everyone else. Because it's the king. Mm. But in such, the king does not lie sounds like an admonition to the king to not tell the truth, or that he has to tell the truth, excuse me. Yeah. And in truth, it can also show the other side of it, which is the king cannot lie because the king creates what truth is. Right. The king sets the law. The so emperor's let's, new clothes. Exactly. So let's acknowledge the fact that both possibilities are there. So what is joy? Joy is finite. Hmm. The being on top with no support, because if we think about the pictogram of it in that nature, which I know not everybody agrees with it, but that it's active and then passive, passive, passive. Passive. Um, uh, that it's resting on nothing. It's a top of its game, but it has nothing to support it. Oh yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's active fire. Yeah, uh, and 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 passive everything. It's like it's a it's, flame without a candle. Right. And the ca the flame is having fun, but it takes a lot to maintain that flame. And Obata speaks a lot about the need to wag the tongue, especially to keep that flame going. Hmm. Um, that Obata rules interaction and commerce and the internet and things like that this constant exchange that keeps things heated mm. and it can bring joy it can also bring extreme extreme um the tongue can build a civilization the tongue can destroy a civilization this idea that you can take everything down with the tongue you can build up fin in um mala fama fama e fama that bad fame and fame are still fame <laughs> that you can turn it around mm. but the idea that <sighs> Obara people and the energy around it can mistake itself for the most important thing when it's in an afflicted side. So you think and you recreate, you create your own reality and you blame everyone else for it, that it's not matching up. Or you could be an amazing leader and be out there and, in, and be the sun in the sky that people are worshiping. Hmm. But the sun sets too. <laughs> you know, the arc of the sun is this pictogram. Right. So there's this interesting thing of like kings... Most people have bright points in their life. You know, we joke about the people that have their, their highlight in high school. But, like, most people, I think it's, it's, it is in the middle of their life. The prime of their life hits and they, they're hitting their stride. They're doing the things they want to do. They have children and they start putting that into their children's ascent mm. into the sky. And that's one way of doing it. Um, but this, the notion that you must interact is Obara. Obara is the tongue as well. This, this wagging, this nature of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's the liver and these other things too. But... I just find that interesting that, that it is so connected to how to be a good king and how to be a terrible king. <laughs> and right. it's like, you know, the prince was written in jest, half in jest. Mm -hmm. We know that. 
but it it is what it does is it acknowledges this is how the world works. Right. And one of the things that I will say I'm always impressed with Yoruba cosmology is it doesn't downplay how the world works. Christianity, one of its faults that I've always felt is that it it tries to replace the reality of the world with its own ideal with with some shoulds, which is lovely. You know, you tell a four-year-old that they shouldn't hit people. And we know that that's not necessarily the truth as an older, but, but you can't impress complex logic. It's like, well, there's cases where you do hit them and cases where you don't, or cases where you don't, absolutely. Maybe you just, like, turn all swords into plowshares, but that's not how modern Christianity works anyway. Um, mm. It becomes this cycle where it is, we think that people have our best interests at heart when we know that they don't. We can allow for that, mm. but they don't. We know the world runs on gossip and intrigue. We know it does. What was the thing you were saying about the number of remedies in Ifa for, uh, you know, Ifa, you know, infamously uh, co- attempts to, to cover everything. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and and can seek, you know, potential remedies for any situation. And you're saying at least in one com- compilation of these remedies, which can be anything from, you know, uh, lifting the grief of a broken heart to, you know, physical stuff in the world, like, get, mm-hmm. you know, gathering money. Gathering money, keeping an erection, having your son's health be better, you know. Right, 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 right. All of these things, but the amount of them being, it, it being like, overwhelmingly about avoiding that gossip, gossip or, yeah. or, or ensuring a good reputation. Absolutely. And the, 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 the sacredness of a good reputation. And and, that, and, and certainly good character is its own thing in, in Lukumi, and it's interesting, the concept of, of when you're accused of bad character, that that's when you have to prove your good character by acting in good character. Mm. That's not when you go back and, and retaliate. And blah, blah, blah. You're like, you know what? You can talk whatever you want about me. Right. Your opinion does not matter. I'm going to keep doing my thing. Which is a big emphasis in how the advice is given a lot of times. Like, do your thing. Telling people how cool you are is not usually uh, a marker of cool people. Yes. And and oh, let's go into that's a whole other concept. Facebook, <laughs> there's a blog post that I still have to publish on that, the concept of Araye and... and uh, problems of the world and, and the distractions yeah. from from you polishing your own crown, maintaining your kingship. Right. But maintaining a kingdom is hard. Staying at the top with no support, you have to create your support. And how do you do that? You get someone else to launch you into the air constantly. Mm. It's like it's like keeping the ball in the air. It's like the parachute silk with the... Mm-hmm. Got to keep bouncing that person mm-hmm. so that they keep floating. And the, a good king can do that. Mm. A good ruler can do that. But, you know, in short spurts most of the time. And, you know, it's all interesting with the distractions. We talked about the blindness. How do you manipulate? How do you do those things? Like, the the idea that... Uh, I'm struck with... I remember there was a point... I think I've talked about this with you before. I was, it was late in my life, for like eight or nine, where I realized that, oh my God, everyone else thinks they're right too. And the sheer audacity of like, oh my... How is anybody getting anything done? <laughs> Right. Because everyone thinks they're right. <laughs> yeah. And that's terrifying, but also a, a similar thing of like, everyone thinks they deserve to be king. Mm. There are people that are naturally supportive of, of, of people who are more dominant, and that's its own thing. Mm. I'm not saying that, but but it's everyone thinks they're the star of the of the story, and sometimes you're not for a little bit. Right. Um, you know, a, this concept we talked about is like, maybe your destiny in life is to be there at that one point to make sure that dog crossed the street to get the message back. Who right. knows? Who knows what your destiny in life is supposed to be? I can't speak to it. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's your that's the most important thing you'll ever do, and you didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, I don't know, it's just it, it's that, such that, an interesting that thing. That itself, yeah, I mean, that, that, that can, you know, I like the idea of that being an exhortation of, especially if you're prone to, 
um, self-doubt or, 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 or uh, uh, devaluing your own work. That you don't know what's going to be useful. You don't know what the ripples are, are, are going to be of your actions, which can be taken as an exhortation to attempt to act well in as many situations as you can. And conversely, to treat others well, because in that... I keep tapping the desk in emphaticism, and I'm sorry, you're going to hear it like a thump. Um, it is so frustrating, right? When How do you weigh when someone has potential, but they're not using it? Mm. You can't... At certain times, you can decide that this is not a, a good use of my time, but that's not personal. Mm. Like, this person needs to move on from my tutelage or my, you know, my advice. But there's also the side of it that is, you don't know what's going to bring someone to enlightenment mm. in that kind of uh, Vajrayana way of, like... Do I give up on this person? Like this person's a complete idiot, and people are like don't waste your time because past experience will show that that type of person is not good for your time. But you don't know what you say might be the thing that all of a sudden they are like, I'm kind of wasting people's time by asking them these stupid questions. Looking for recognition, let's call it <laughs> right. Um, we got a very strange request uh, for a message approved in a group that we manage, which is folk necromancy on Facebook. You should join it. There's good conversations yeah. going in there. Um, it is intended to be both a platform for Radio Free Golgotha advertisements when we have a new episode, but really it's to talk about death, the dead, and the dying, mm-hmm. and the cultural traditions that are around that, and to encourage uh, discussion, healthy discussion, um, not so much debate, but um, and and uh, talking around this topic, um, and also to get it out of books, yeah. to understand the value of oral tradition, to have both extant and extinct be talked about and to have hypothetical all be talked about. Yeah. Um, that aside, uh, someone came in with a, a, a fairly entertaining proposal and... Um, uh, uh, unintentionally entertaining. Uh, I, I, I made a post about it uh, saying that it may surprise, uh, which, which it probably shouldn't, that uh, running a necromancy group on the internet occasionally um, affords us uh, a certain insight into a particular kind of um, crazy... Uh, it's so dark. Of, uh, dark fluff word dark. salads. Uh, yeah, they don't pronounce their R's. They're like you. <laughs> dark. So dark. <laughs> it's the, you know like another shadow of empire. The empire. Someday of, you're gonna have an American accent. I'm gonna be really confused. Oh no. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, okay. Then we'll work against that. Just what? Well, it's probably something I'm gonna have to start cultivating. Should your president continue? Ugh. You're president too. You married an American. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so moving on from that. Yes, that just president. You can't bring up the president, and it's like a fart in the room, right? Uh, speaking of, if you don't know our political leanings, you just found them out, right? Speaking of, of bad kingship. Uh, <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, gay alternative religion, like <laughs> half minority. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, I don't think he has my best interest at heart. I understand that there's finance and things like that, but whatever. Anyway, bad king. Bad kings. And um, and, and the the idea that, again, for those who are listening and, and, and don't really have any context for uh, Odu, um, I think it's probably worth pointing out that you get both the... When when you when, uh, you go for a reading, you the, the, the sign that falls is not simply the, uh, the sign in all of its... Um, multiplicity. It's 
also divined usually as i understand it and, and as i've experienced between it, be, it coming in its blessings in the in in a, in a good and useful healthy form of that um f- that that figure that energy that that, that set of patterns um the, those lessons those stories um to help you achieve what you're trying to do um and not blessings shall we say the the idea of it coming in um detriments or warnings mm-hmm. or uh, or straight up that you are doing something harmful um to yourself or others or the mm-hmm. world uh and so that idea of 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 the 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 power of the tongue is actually kind of a, a good one to um to go into it for, for 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 people who who you know don't regularly get deal of good readings or, or or what have you or are involved in the religion uh, and i like that concept of uh of it and it's not just coming in reversal like it's it's not just that oh these things are all inverted in some way mm-hmm. necessarily it's that the same tongue that builds builds the empire can destroy an empire as well mm-hmm. and i think that's something that 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 can be glommed onto pretty easily the power of words is powerful and how we use that is then kind of up to us mm-hmm. and 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 certainly should be our responsibility yeah i think um the energy comes as a flowing advancement or a stagnation and an impediment to what you need to do ultimately Mm. and what gets in your way Mm. and the stone in your shoe or how, you know, the the Satanas. So, you know, if, if things are flowing well and there's nothing new at the time, then great. Things, blessings are flowing and that's what it is. And this is the energy going you and you know, you're you're enjoy, enjoy, (laughs) enjoy your enjoyness. Um, which is manifesting on the bad side. This could be vanity and, and, and lack of touch with reality and, and, and not seeing who's being deceitful around you and not realizing that your tongue, people are hearing your words and you're trashing your own empire or another. The readings will qualify this further because right. it's just it's a complex divination system. And there's other things that, that qualify it. But I find this, even applying that to how divination is explored in general, yeah. the concept of joy. The joy is linked to a concept of permanence, right? If we're going off a of Kantian... Or is it Kantian idea behind that spinoza spinoza uh, talks okay. about that a lot more the, the idea permanence of, of yeah because it's part of perfecting for, for okay. spinoza so linked to the notion of it being a permanent thing now in your life and this allowing for an enjoyment which is very difficult of course because when you're a child this is the end of the world when your balloon pops mm-hmm. uh, because you don't have the experience to back it up that you'll have another balloon or you know life goes on yeah there's a, the, 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 the the Keats thing uh, the line about bursting joy's grape upon the palate that 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 that's the perpetual um, struggle of, of, of framing joy in terms of permanence is that it's 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 found in its impermanence. It's found in its its fleeting nature. That you that as soon as you sit and think about how happy you are, you're not necessarily as happy anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's, it's the, the stolid qualities of melancholy lend themselves much better to the, the black ink spilled upon page. It's perfect for this. The, just the, the, the maintaining the ball in the air, mm-hmm. not dropping the ball actually takes. You know, you can't rest on your laurels. Mm. That even you know this this idea that is very prevalent in in the work with, with Jechi, the theater group I'm with, of um, uh, every moment can nurture or deplete you. And it's just a shift in perspective on how you do that. At a certain point, that doesn't mean that you have to be a martyr and go through, this is, de- you know, this is depleting me and now it's nurturing me because even by observing depletion, it is now doing something different. It's not just a, a pulling out of all your energy. There's now something feeding you from it. But at a certain point, you can also say, it's my choice to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. However, this, this idea of keeping the ball in the air and maintaining it, 
this is a difficult thing. Joy has to be maintained. You can't just you can't just collect all your crops one year and be like, I never have to do farm work again. Right, right. Um, you know, it ties into the St. Nicholas factor of like, why does Krampus come? Because you didn't spend your year being a good boy and harvesting your crops, and now you're not going to make it through the winter. So the coal is actually a blessing because you're going to need something to put in your mm-hmm, fireplace because mm-hmm. you don't have any resources left, you dipshit. But that's my own take on that. Um, oh yeah, and there's 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 that you know uh, comedy fantasy uh, uh, undercuttings of well actually coal is coal and useful yeah um, the more diamonds you make out of coal the more you devalue the diamond market <laughs> <laughs> dead people to diamonds all the way mm-hmm. no but it's interesting the link between Leticia and and Obara in that way if we think of joy as something that we must be maintained and certainly there's the cultural lenses of what joy is what makes joy you know for for Yoruba mindset of children property stability, health, prop, you know, this type of thing of, like, is everything stable in oh, that yeah. way? And that, you, you get that with, with looking through, you know, the geomantic uh, descriptions of the figure of Laetitia in the different houses. And it frustrated me when I was um, looking at this in my, my doctorate on magical approaches to the emotions. You're I was a doctor? Like, Great. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I just try not to mention it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but the... <laughs> Sorry, doctor. <laughs> Sorry, doctor. <laughs> Is that, that's magenta, right? No, no, no. no. That's that's uh, Audrey. Oh, of Suddenly, see more standing beside me. It's the other horror musical. Yeah, it is the yeah. other horror musical. Uh, it's a horror horror. The, the the instances aren't generally actually talking about the subjective state of joy in that thing. They're not, you know, joy in the 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 second house is not. You know, you will acquire a uh, uh, some kind of um, uh, expensive thing that reminds you of something in childhood, and that's why you're happy. No, it's it's happy because because wealth. It's 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 a thumbs up to a lot of like good things, right? Uh, the, the the happiness is not finding joy in your in 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 being applied to a job that fulfills you and offers you you know mastery, autonomy, and purpose, <laughs> right? In the sixth, it's yeah. that you know um, you, you're going to get a sweetheart deal uh, and 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 not have to you know do too much heavy lifting. Uh, it's it's that kind of concept, and so the, the 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 thing doesn't actually end up referring to the the state itself. It refers to the situations like yeah, you're gonna have loads of kids. Uh, you're gonna have you know you're gonna have a great inheritance. Um, yeah, I think that's one of them. Um, I might be getting this wrong. It's totally it's it's it brings up to mind the Picasso quote about creativity, which I love. But that um, inspiration will come, but it has to find you working. It's kind of one of those things of like joy will come, but it has to find you doing the things that bring joy. Right, 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 <laughs> like, right, right. You can enchant for it, but it's a like if all you do is sit there and stab rabbits, eventually you're going to find joy in stabbing rabbits. Like that's your only option, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're going to have good days for that and bad days. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, huh? Well, it, it brings to mind this kind of very uh, magical thinking, pre-modern thinking, or perhaps early modern thinking. I'll give that credit. Um, but that the things that, that ra- there are things that radiate joy by their nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we say money doesn't cure all ills, but money in the huge opulent amounts of wealth that we talk about now was n- is very rare. I mean, like, happiness can be, or joy can be the absence of sorrow. Yeah. Which sorrow will have to create new ways to invade your life because it is a necessary balance. Yep. But the absence of ordinary amounts of sorrow is a form of joy, even if you are not joyous. Mm-hmm. That, that, that there is an accumulation of joy wealth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that very that much. That the cornucopia itself filled with food. You don't have to worry about food anymore? Mm-hmm. Done. Joyous. Yeah. 
how joyous. I will be merry and ponder all these things in my heart. Mm. Or I will be the wise men and rejoice mm-hmm. greatly. Mm. Uh, I think about that Piscean nature of joy. Uh, if, if it's if it, of Laetitia, if you if you if you run your your stars through your figures like that, but the and the uh, Aquarian nature of sorrow uh, of Tristitia, and 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 the fact that sorrow as a geomantic figure is is stable, very much pointing down. Uh, joy is very much pointing away. Joy is the fleeting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 the, those you know those fishes uh, that are, that are silvery and the ripples and gone again and uh sorrow is 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 uh, stable is the term it's usually used unmoving uh, but it's, it's going al- with gravity right 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 but it's also aquarian and so this notion of like the great uh uh creativity of of our sadnesses uh always finding a, you know finding a way and uh i like that notion as well of that, of that against of the pit that is dug as opposed to the uh um the the the, the arch that is the, of the of the thing constantly kept up in motion. Mm-hmm. That's really great. I like that very much. And especially that joy wealth connects back to, to Jupiter again. Certainly. I mean, it's just, you talk about the Piscean nature of it. And to me, it has a lot of Sagittarius, uh, which is Jupiterian in its nature yeah, yeah, of like yeah. the, the amiability and the, the, there is, I almost always want to break down Letizia into, and I do mean Letizia here of like how there's greater fortune and lesser fortune that there are. It's good to hear the the breakdown of these are things that can bring joy you should be joyous. It doesn't mean you are joyous. Give mm. you a depressed person, get a lot of tizia, and it just means that you have a good job and a good, you know, stable marriage. Or, or that you keep hoping for things that are unreasonable. Um, that's just the, like that's, that's <laughs> Okay. The, yeah, yeah, that's the other classic. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, latest year in a... In a in that you are trying to create the world in your own image and you are not... You're, the, the two worlds are not overlapping. Yeah. Which will bring a downfall, which is a potential, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that the lies can bring the truth. The lies will expose the truth. The lies you tell yourself will come out in the end. So, the king does not lie, but the king is not always king. Mm. Um, there are repercussions to our words and the way the tongue flows. Which is interesting because, I mean, if we talk about that and the and the side of it, we're, we are linking it to judgment in some way, which is the tarot card we selected for the day, right? That, yeah. that there are repercussions for actions. And although there is a uh, more doomsday, judgment day Armageddon, Type of, of, of oh sure it becomes thing. becomes the the aeon the judgment right but there is something very interesting like can all your lives actions be summoned up to like do you get raptured or not if we're going non biblically and mm-hmm. popularly or do you go to heaven or not and and this idea of would you uh, would you rise like Dracula facing the east absolutely pivoted um, on your feet bury me standing up <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this notion of judgment of being judgmental of others is a huge thing in Obata of of being overly critical. Because you're seeing fault everywhere else um, in analyzing everything. Because you're mm. good at analyzing all those little things that are going on. The Facebook people. Like, look at the trend on Facebook, of course, of the just like the, 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 the bitching bandwagon. Mm. Like, somebody gets something said about them. And even if it's somewhat relevant to what you're saying, you're like, you're trying to point something wrong with a specific line of text. I hate that author. They do this. This is like, I'm not talking about the author in general. Talk about this one line of text, or this person did something stupid. Yes, I hate that person. I hate the other people around him. Like, okay, because it's easy to bitch. It's easy to join. It's a, it's it's an avalanche or a an, a snowball mm. of of something going on there. It's it's there is that that the tongue wagging is so difficult, um, and also with with in, and how to harness malafama, how to harness bad or notoriety. And realize that that's just as easy to turn around. 
Mm. It's still having people talk about you. Right, right. And, and they only, can lift it. I mean, the only thing our current president is a about. master of of spin. Right. Which politics resides on, which is keeping people in power, like mm. modern day kings. Keeping it. Um, keeping the ball in the air again. Yeah. It's um. It's interesting because I mean, guess if I wanted to just to sum it back, because we are almost at two hours, which means we should wind it down. The only thing we. The only two things we haven't talked about on our list. Amethyst and Casanova. <laughs> Amethyst is interesting because of the sobriety required that's associated with it, right? right. So that it, 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 it helps one recover from alcohol inebriation. Or makes one immune to alcohol, which is a subtly different form of... like I, I don't think about that in terms of sobriety. I think mm-hmm. about that in terms of um, being capable of imbibing poison. Mm. And I'm walking away. So not about like being being somber, for instance, or or, or sober, so much as um, you know, uh, almost a Dzogchen kind of take on. Yeah, the, it, it is when you say Dzogchen in that way of like uh, remembering friends that were talking and asking their lamas about, uh, you know, can I can I drink and and keep in the right mindset, right mind, right speech, everything. It's like, if you're observing yourself and the effects it has on your body, your consciousness, and your actions, yes. The minute you're not able to discern that anymore, then you need to stop. And you need to take, you know, take a step back. So anything can nourish you or deplete you. Anything can be, you know, this 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 vehicle for more information. Um, but certainly with Amethyst, uh, I feel like we talked about it already, which is interesting. Should have checked what we've already talked about. Mm. It's just been so long. <laughs> uh, but... The sobriety is, is, is what it's often used for now. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. And returning to soberness, which, again, is not the opposite of inebriation. Yeah. It's the absence of inebriation. Yeah, yeah, Which already, even in our modern mindset, we sometimes go for too far and be like, oh, they're very sober of thought. Yes, they're in their right mind. doesn't mean they're thinking well or that they're making good decisions. Sober of thought is the ability to, to think on and permutate on your thoughts, extrapolate and, and think. And this makes me think of, of, of the... the, the, the polarity between uh, Rubius and Albus the idea of Albus being like supposedly scholarly and solitary and you know oh is is, is off into the realm of logic and that which can be you know a, a priori um, but the uh, as opposed, and, and, and Rubius is the poison and the, 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 the toxicity and the, the impassioned thing that like carries you away from yourself um, but that doesn't mean that that Albus is is as you say just because it's sober doesn't mean it's thinking well and there's a there's a madness in that sterility uh, is, is, is how I think uh, uh, Greer puts it, which yeah is, is is also to be avoided. Not just because you'll you know become a Vulcan, mm-hmm. um, but precisely because we're not designed to be Vulcans, and that that produces its own uh, dysfunctions. And, um, it, it goes back to the notion of chastity, for me, which in grade school they were very CCD at least Catholic you know education about chastity is not the same as virginity. Mm. And when preserving chastity, you're talking about right use of sexual energy. Mm. So mystics can take this and say, if I don't sleep with other people, this circulates inside me and leads me to an ecstatic state when I think about God or the devil or whatever it is, um, is still is chaste. That a husband and wife trying to bear children is a chaste form of that expression of sexual energy. Mm. Um, now I'm not going to go into the right or wrong of that, but the, the notion of expanding a choice in how our sexual energy is used as opposed to going right into animal-based instincts uh, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. it, that, that we expend it, that we have an urge that we satisfy, like hunger, thirst, or whatever it is. What can interrupt the pattern? Um, 
but that's my own obsession with and from Jetchi and other things of just interrupting patterns, trying to find out what exercises humanity exercises and what exorcises it. That if we are acting as a dog, then where are we better than a dog? Um, that, that this notion even of reincarnation, that you'll go into the body that you are acting like, that if you were someone who was just like fight or fuck or feed, that yeah, the dog nearby that's being reborn, that is kind of what your spirit's already aimed towards, just go be a dog. Um, but are you going to be the turtle that puts its head through the ring and like embraces humanity and realizes like, you know, the tiger that doesn't kill when it ha- when it when normally would? Does it hold back? Does it kill its animals quickly? Like it's gaining a momentum over its animal instincts, which might be to shred and to tear and to do other mm. things, which is of course a value system and a value judgment, mm. but is an interesting overlap between I think older notions of what chastity truly is before this obsession with the hymen and the lack of control of male chastity yeah. and what that means. Right. Of basically is like don't get anybody pregnant, no one will know, um, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, patriarchy. Speaking of which, getting people pregnant and not nobody knowing, Casanova. Look, it was a segue. <laughs> First show, we're going to talk about everything without seven hours or eight hours. We could talk that long. Uh, I mean, as far as historical magicians go, Casanova, the, it's dubious as to whether we can classify him as a magician, but the fact that he kept the Picatrix on him mm-hmm. and was charged with keeping the Picatrix is the thing that makes him notable. Right, and it's this wider... There's so much to that. And uh, where was that in the Heath Ledger version? Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, was it was it good? I haven't seen it all the way through. <laughs> I was watching it and then I found out he died, and I was like, "Oh man!" Mm. Anyway, spoilers. Rest in peace. Mm. I rest in peace. What? Rest in peace. <laughs> in peace, like in, a ski resort. Yeah, I don't know that. Sorry, Heath. Um, anyway, the, 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 this idea that uh, you know anyone who who is outstanding in their field. Especially in, 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 like, the idea of love being magic in some way, or suspect in that manner. That it should be suspect. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, you and I are in the same mind of this, but love magic is dirty, and people that say otherwise are lying. Right. right. It, is, it is not the, it is not white magic in that scale. No, 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 no. It's and, manipulative. And I feel like this is becoming a conversation that people are more conversant with. Conversant with the conversation, right? in terms of, of saying um, in terms of, of, of pointing out how uh, much love magic is what gets classified as erotic malefic is, is, is about <laughs> sapping someone's will is about reverse engineering Ovidian concepts of love as a sickness of some kind and love sickness especially being a kind of malady that can be inflicted and either inflicting it or, as I say, reverse engineering this, uh, this, uh, the, the reality of it from its symptoms of torturing someone to be sleepless, to only think of you, to not be able to stand or sleep or rest. The discussion or of rape saints, right? That, that you know, and the and the conversalist, the other side of like getting away from the uh, Christian notions, the notion that the only way to use your sexuality for good is to be chaste, to be virginal, to to retain right. it. That um, if you must, you can get married and have children. <laughs> Because that gets the butts in the seat. But it, it, that side of it is interesting, right? That, that we're stuck in a paradigm still where that is so lasting. This idea of female virginity or just of, of saving oneself. Um, God's Loophole, great video. Uh, oh, Garfunkel uh, and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates, yeah. The sex that God can yeah. see. Yeah, exactly. Um, the loophole, yeah. The loophole itself and the, the irrational rationalization. Yeah. Uh, anyway. 
go watch it. Uh, this idea of that we're still stuck in that the only way to possibly use sexuality is is to avoid it be, being too dirty. And then the other side of me, the witch side, is like, fuck that, be as dirty as you want. Just don't, as long as it's consensual. Well, this is the other uh-huh. side of when it's uh, when it's approved of and disapproved of. It depends on what its actual social implication is. If it's magic to help, uh, you know, uh, 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 an impotent um, husband help you conceive a child who will be taken to the church and, you know, grow up a good Christian, then it's, it's, it's conceived of as fine. Turtle if, heads. Right. Saying, helps right. With that. If anyway. it's, if it's stealing someone's partner, especially if it's making, you know, the, 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 the eldest of the, the Lord, uh, and lady of the of, of the land fall in love with a with a peasant girl or something like that. That's this is this is rack and ruin, and it's it's direct impact on the social cohesion of political authority is one of the main uh, 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 metrics for whether or not this love magic is allowed or not. So there's the personal thing of like because religion evolved from magic and religion always that's the the Fraser way. I don't actually believe that, um, and religion always supports the state. The power of the state, right. which that I believe. That's a Karen McCarthy has some great things on that in uh, Fields of Blood and the 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 relationship between politics and religion and mm-hmm. power mm-hmm. that religion always seeks to explain the deeds of the state and justify them yeah, yeah. Um, is important. But I find it interesting that even it, it, we're, we're talking about classification of magic, which was against technically the will in general. Yeah, yeah. But like when it's really bad is when you're bringing the downfall of the place that that rules where you live, yeah. which is going against the will of God because of divine right, yeah. because of everything like that. Yeah. <sighs> Why do the Windsors rule your people? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> I just realized my, my, my knowledge of the English monarchy s- is severely lacking after Elizabeth I, and then I was just confused by everything going on. But um, well, Netflix whole helped. <laughs> um because Al says you're a president so much that sometimes I just at least want to say you're a prince or you're a king or you're a queen or whatever. They don't have a king. Queen. Mm-hmm. The old German lady in charge of you peeps. Yep. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's on currency a lot when you go north of the border. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would, I think um, our gamut of dead magicians that we can draw on should be should be broad and should include, especially if we're talking about, um, you know, negromancy of black magicians, right? Which is, again, like a witch found at the end of a pointed finger. Uh, and, 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 and as such, you know, not to say... Thank any, you, Peter Gray. Thank you, yeah. Uh, uh, not anyone who gets called, you know, a magician should should instantly qualify them and we should unquestioningly say, yes, I'm, 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 I'm part of... No, but in that same that hero worship of, like, Casanova is a term, is a right, known right, right, right. thing that people don't even know the historical person anymore. They're like, oh, he's a Casanova. That term, that's magical in its own right. Yeah. To be the hero that is worshipped, your name is eternal. Yeah. And whether or not this was helped out, the fact that he had the Picatrix on him shows that he was at least engaging in some knowledge of it, which, in that time period... The imaginal mind versus the like the outside. It doesn't matter if he had read it; he had already participated in it in some way. Yep. It's not sin in 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 mind as sin indeed, but it is at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fascinating. The other side of it is with there are dead magicians that we're going to look upon it and call them magicians by our terms. Mm-hmm. There's the magicians that are called magicians by other people for political reasons, yeah. which is its own thing. Was Rasputin truly a, a, a magician or was he like a mesmerist? Like what was it? That's yeah. its own thing. But certainly these we're talking about. Yeah. 
Um, and Casanova, I'm sorry to your spirit that we're going to spend all of this, like, eight minutes talking about other shit around you. <laughs> but there is something to it there that the discussion of these things, of, of what is negromancia, what is folk necromancy, you can't get much more folk necromantic than by being a playboy and using Arabic Greek magic to kind of make sure that you get your way around and get your dick wet. Um, that's, it's not, he didn't do it for gold and riches. I mean, the, the thing is, is use, use what you have. Right. But there, as far as a common use of something. Yeah. And not just a, a use to set himself up as a magician. Right? Yeah. Not, not, not writing books about writing books about magic. <laughs> oh, right. Wow. We should re-examine that in a year when we both finally publish. Um, <laughs> uh, you've already published, but I, uh, Yeah. But the the idea that you know being using being a magic user, if we like to to, to, to fall back on again, my chick tracked Dungeons and Dragons childhood, like being being a magic user isn't the same as setting oneself up as a magician, and we need to move beyond those Everybody uh, figures who does depicted magic is a magician, with, yeah. with a right with a with well everyone that does it um, usefully or at least you know, creates a big splash, for instance, if we're looking at historical uh-huh. uh, figures. I think that's that's a way of putting it. That, what what are you doing with your magic, is, is the point. Like, he's, he's, he's living his Casanova life, right? He's doing, he's, 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 he's Casanova. Obviously, he was focusing on love and not, not escaping the police or getting not getting caught. But, you know. Well, this is also a, an aspect, right, of, of the... The, the, the escapologists C-Y-A. that we find and the, the idea of appealing to folk... Heroes of he various... said escapology, mm-hmm. not eschatology or scatology. I'm just putting that out there. Oh yeah, yeah no, not this time. Um, <sighs> uh, I, I'm thinking not like, again, <laughs> not again. I'm thinking of like Jack Shepard in some of the ways of reading Hoodoo Jacks and uh, in, in, in Cartomancy and, and 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 even like Robin Hood or any of these kind Maybe of figures soon. who are constantly getting out of a, of a of a tight spot. And and the idea of that being a figure that would be useful for you to know about and to appeal to in some form. So we're also moving beyond Casanova as as, as historical magician and into the realm of... But I think it's a really good idea of examining a folk magician, meaning someone who is using folk magic as opposed to magicians. Yeah. So really what we've opened the door for is not just dead magicians, but dead folk magicians. Yes. Because we can look at Adam and Eve as we have (sighs) as... The first magicians, the first Hunga and first Mambo, as they worked in voodoo, or or whatever the the, the origins of of, of Retzil and these things going in there, or of Muhammad being a magician because of the direct conversation with 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 uh, Jibril, or of of Jesus being a magician because of knowledge and conversation with dead prophets on mm-hmm. the top of a mountain, not mm-hmm. just the magic of the rod and the magic of the of the miracles of the multiplications of the loaves and the fishes right. and the resurrection, yeah. but like but the transfiguration, exactly mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 knowledge of conversation with other spirits of magicians yeah. is, which as I know is a, a thing for you I've heard um, but with Casanova of his knowledge and conversation with dead magicians was to read a book written by other magicians right. and to get advice about how to get himself ahead yeah. which is fascinating and that is it, it, I think it is worth saying as we go into the dark time of the year as we you know start to have this kind of Luciferian <laughs> Lucifera uh, impulse of going into the dark, that retaining and using the tools that we have to actually get us ahead in life, you do not have to be a totalitarian orange-haired brat. It got very political. But 
giving yourself the resources to do the best you possible is important. Yeah. Um, sorry for the ding. The idea that that magic should be free is I'm done with it. I'm done with the education of people demanding that anything spiritual or anything like that, that's your Christian baggage. And uh, who wa- who cleans the church and who keeps those floor clean and who feeds the people, right. there's a tremendous money machine going into that. And it's not about milking people for money and not giving them anything in return. No. But if what you want is to be educated in something, pay your teachers, buy the books, right. buy the materials, don't sit here and go, I'm sorry, like I don't know anybody. I, I've, I've had some great success with sigils on notebook paper. I have. But I have access to parchment paper now, and it works better. <laughs> it's not just an aesthetic thing. It's not just replacing the plastic with the gourd. Right. It does work better. It's a skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worked as a skin and, and, and provides deeper mysteries. It isn't just, let me get the top of the range thing ordered off Amazon. It, 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 it provides uh, avenues for further exploration, and the further things are powering it. When you have no choice, use what, what you have available. Absolutely. When you have a choice, examine... You don't have to spend your life savings on fresh parchment, but you could then find out the subtleties of a spirit. We come across this in things that we practice. You have to buy alcohol for a spirit. What kind of alcohol do they like? This one likes the cheap shit because they don't want you to spend money on them. They'd rather you spend time. This one wants nothing to do with you and says, give me the cheap, the expensive stuff and make your words quick. Mm. You know, I find that interesting, too, that the parallel to alcohol and the clear alcohol that we give as offerings as being the clarity of speech, Mm. that it makes our mouth um, refreshed and powerful, and that there is something in this exchange as well, Mm. that we are asking for the ability for our words to not be misconstrued. Right. And that it's clear and has a whole set of invisibility mysteries around that alcohol, those alcohols that you can, you know, clean a floor with uh, that, 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 that evaporate without trace. Uh, is, is, is interesting the idea of not letting our words fester mm-hmm. not letting things become stagnant like uh, becoming aerosolized again and, and, and then mingling back with that hmm. should have done that earlier um, I, just, I like the idea of people actually using magic and then being able to talk about it <laughs> as opposed to being able to talk about magic in order to use it mm-hmm <laughs> And I know that part of that is is from lack of exposure to to certain tools and things. And I don't, I'm not saying that everyone needs to come out of the out of the the magic womb, whatever it is, like practicing full wands. But whatever that, I don't know what that means. I just we've always had an outcry against armchair magicians, and it's oftentimes the armchair magicians that are calling out the armchair magicians because yeah. you're trying to get away from your shadow or whatever the hell it is. Um. And how many times, and if we look at this, um, I'm going to tie it back to Obara mm-hmm. here, um, of not thinking the rules apply to you, of ex- intellectually even, or, or fantastically creating a situation of around yourself where you could give advice to everyone but not take your own, um, and that the king makes the law but is above it. Mm. So oftentimes we're very good at, I say we, I see the magical community, me in my own life, in my, pa- in my past, and I'm sure in the future again, of giving great advice but not necessarily being able to take it yeah and part of that is use the magic you have you know this idea of um you know planetary magic is something that we both have a lot of experience in and uh, there's a lot of criticism of people when they start like i don't want to have to wait till thursday to do this but like the point is not just to wait till thursday is that you've worked every thursday 
built up a power relationship with the energies of Thursdayness, and that you can make charms and things like that, so that when you need that energy, you can come back and do things that you made and go back. And this is this was something I obsessed with even in the article I wrote for Serpent Songs of of the difference between astrology and astrological magic, that this left-hand, right-handed approach, that there is the worship that, that, that happens, there's the understanding of a worldview that is astrology, or like going to a, to a standard Roman Catholic mass and receiving the blessings in that way, the closeness to God, the feeling of spiritual joy that can develop. There is also a thing for seizing it, and you don't have to be a nasty bitch when you seize it, but you can seize it through, this is an election, I'm making a talisman, now I have this power to invoke it at a later time. Uh, or I'm going to seize the power of the saint on this day so I can have access to the saint like it was its feast day yeah. at a later date. Yeah. Um, and there's something to that. Like Even if you don't necessarily, we've talked about this, of, of believe in the saint, the fact that there's 33 million people praying to that saint at mass that day, that's something too. Yeah. Um, and the number of your dead that may have you know, gone before those shrines, it's acted as you've acted, thing, yeah. said the words you've said, you like, know. Oh, I finally know what he's doing. Right. St. Michael. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I think in essence here, we're obviously winding down, but, or I'm winding down. You're yeah, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, you're just sure. getting started. Uh, but I think going into this last little dark of the year or whenever you might be listening to this, um, hold on to what makes you tick. I've seen a lot of people kind of give up hope recently. Mm. And uh, uh, whether this is in reaction to the state of uncertainty with politics and the world events that are going on, um, it's more important than ever that we continue to uh, be steadfast, be loosey, be unmovable, be the sun that does not set, be the sun that is constantly rising even when it sets, Mm. Um, to be that light and darkness to, to, to live through the final judgment, to, to use your picatrix and get laid as much as you want, (laughs) um, to, to be the, the strangler fig and take over what you need to take over. Um, I got a little darker for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but just go out there, do magic and, and, and be magic. That's, magic is a lifestyle and a, a currency of of being more than it is. This is not Sunday religion. Right. It is not meant for that. And um, just because a bunch of 19th century white guys and gals uh, wanted it to be a university framing or a, a, an adept school doesn't mean it has to be approached. Don't uh, wait for Hogwarts to call you. Right. Don't pretend you're at Hogwarts before you're there either. Don't pretend you're teaching that before yeah. it exists. Right. But the, the you know the certainly in this, there's a lot of criticism of a lot of people online. There's a lot of peop, uh, trash talking, and as a community, whatever that is, um, the tongue can build kingdoms up or it can tear them down. And stick stick well with your friends. Uh, Find friends, make friends, uh, living or dead. (laughs) Um, Sermon over. Nice. Wish you a happy end of the calendrical year, um, a renewed light in your life as we head towards Epiphany and the anniversary of our first show. Um, And 
Thank you so much for listening and and waiting for us patiently. Uh, Folk Necromancy on Facebook is our group where we're continuing to talk about some of these subjects after mm-hmm. and from before. Uh, so a lot of these topics will be up for uh, have threads in there, uh, and we'll be cross posting on the. Uh, uh, Radio Free Golgotha site. Yes, uh, please uh, like us on Facebook at Radio Free Golgotha and the website will have the updates and uh, we look forward to getting the episodes up this year so we can have our five slash six slash six and a half because we have a couple mini episodes that might come out um, uh, if we can do it. But thank you for your support. Uh, Happy end of the year. Happy new year. Happy newing year. Happy returning year. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's like you're the penguin now. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And good night and good luck. Be well.